Welcome to the Tea Hut Podcast. I'm Leland, still hungover. I'm Marty. And I'm Moby. Hi, listener. <laughs> Hello, listener. Welcome to our first yearly wrap-up, right? This is going to go for more than a year. <laughs> well, I don't know. Well, I guess that's a good point. Wow. As long as we keep paying to support it out of our own <laughs> wallets, yes. <laughs> as long as we have listener. Thanks, listener. Listener. Oh. Too early for that. <laughs> what is this episode called? Uh, just best of 2017. Not 2017, colon, year in review. Uh, I might go with best of 2017. Okay, well, that's how you, re- that's how you had in the, in the notes. Really? Yeah. Well, guys, wow. this is going to be probably <laughs> one of the most content-heavy uh, yeah, episodes we've we ever done. So maybe we should just move yeah. on from the title. This. All right. All right. Uh, I got nothing for banter. Best of 2017 year in review. There we go. <laughs> okay. But you forgot the colon. Where's the colon? Best of 2017 colon year in review. I think the... I like it. Wasn't the colon involved in that commercial from the episode we just did? Yeah, I, I thought that had a lot of colon. Clear and breezy down there. Excellent. The submarines are now diving. They've launched. <laughs> Drop the babies off of the pool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Banter. Not going to do too much here, but I think, Marty, you had something for banter? Yeah, you know what? I wrote, no banter, let's fucking go. But I did actually then find a banter I liked. (laughs) Uh, Just quickly, Battlestar Galactica. There's a game out. It's called Battlestar Galactica Deadlock. It's a PC game. Uh, Really? Yeah, it said during the first Cylon War. It's like a uh, a space strategy game. It looks pretty neat. It's gotten pretty decent reviews. Ah, I am legitimately extremely interested in that. Yeah. And I've never heard of that until right now. So can we like suspend recording so I can go home and play? Yes. Okay. Thank it's you. out. It's out. Deadlocked. Deadlock. Deadlock. Cool. That sounds rad. It sounded cool. I haven't played it. I watched a few videos. I uh, just hope Adamus says Steam. regroup and prepare for counterattack. <laughs> right at the beginning. Well, he would have been like twenty. So oh, not quite as grizzled. A little. Oh, so there's no chance of us getting fat, Leodoma? No. Oh. He was, he was one of the best parts of that series. Yes, but a pretty minimal... <laughs> yeah, it was like one episode. Yeah, I know. But it was a memorable episode. That's true. Uh, well, uh, that was great banter, Marty. You're welcome. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't say thank you. All right. <laughs> This episode is legitimately over stuff, listener, so that's why we're cutting it pretty short. Yeah, you know, I'm honestly just excited to rip into our segments. So let's, yeah, let's take it away. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, so we'll start off with Video Game Variety Show. And this segment's called Switch It Up, because this year was kind of the year of the Switch. Uh, blah! Blah! Yes, yeah. yes, Marty, <laughs> I back you up on that. Switch, switch, switch! Yeah, that was a sarcastic blah. I love the Switch. This year feels like the best year in gaming. Mine was not sarcastic. This year feels like the best year in gaming since probably 2007. And wow. Best year in a decade. Are you sure? I am sure. Because I was looking at a list of 2017 releases, and it didn't look that great. Okay. So, this year, we had... Maybe that was movies I was looking at. That I, I think you were looking at movies. I think so. Because this was. year, we had probably two or three, like... Game of the Year contenders that you could arguably give like a 10, and a lot of uh, gaming media sites did give a 10. Um, you had Mario Odyssey, which was getting 10s everywhere. Uh, Zelda uh, Breath of the Wild, which has been just probably considered Game of the Year by most people. It's 
quite a phenomenal game. And then you also had another game, Divinity 2, which is getting really good reviews. It's a PC uh, exclusive game right now. And that's kind of kind of in the Boulder's Gate style hack and slash, uh, you know, Dungeons and Dragons RPG style. It, it's it's pretty cool. I played a little bit of it, but um, not enough to throw it into my top five coming up because I can't quite comment yet. Uh, but this year had had a lot. It had you know it, it had the usual suspects. It had all the open world games and Call of Duties and Assassin's Creed and you know all the dozens of sports titles we normally get. But it had new stuff too. It had some indie titles that really resounded well with the uh, critics and with fans alike. Uh, you had a game called Cuphead, which I have yet to play, but I'm quite interested in. It looks kind of like a Mega Man style game, but has the uh, aesthetics of like a uh, 1940s like cartoon. It's all hand drawn, so you're actually it looks like you're playing like a old style cartoon running around shooting like Mega Man and it's hard as fuck apparently. That's cool. Yeah, and that's um I think it's on Xbox One and PC. Huh. Um another game that's getting really good reviews, uh, What Remains of Edith Finch. It's a uh PC uh explore it's it's actually listed as like a walking simulator. Oh well, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. This is, you know, just like an exploration story driven game. Yeah. Um haven't played it, sorry, go ahead, Mo. Well, I was gonna say I actually bought that. Oh. I haven't played it yet, but yeah. it got such good reviews yeah. and looked very interesting. Um I guess there's flashbacks where you live through the death of yeah. your yeah. So basically you're the last surviving member of your family and you're uh playing flashbacks of like more like memories of how your other family members died and trying to figure out what happened to your family if there's like a curse or something so you're exploring your childhood home that was always kind of limited in access to you as a kid for some reason and then you're trying to figure out what happened to everybody sounds kind of neat it's probably probably like a three four hour game but it sounds cool and you know me with difficulty level walking simulator is right up my alley for moby but, I mean, you had a lot of new titles, too. You had games like uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, which brought a new style, like a new thing to the, to the like a new franchise, essentially. Um, and that's hard to do nowadays. I mean, we kind of have all these franchises. Like, it, you can expect a new Zelda game is probably going to be good, but it, you don't very rarely see a new game that comes out. It's clearly set up to set up future franchises. Like, and this one did a great job. It's going to be in my top five. Spoilers. And then you had, like... Persona 5, a game that, you know, is just bleeds Japanese, but I think really resounded with the North American audience in a surprising way. So, since 2007, like I was saying, Leland, you know, 2007 was the year that I think of when I think of big years in gaming. You know, we, that was Bioshock, that was Grand Theft Auto 4, I believe, that was um, Mario Galaxy, that was, uh, like... It had a Metroid Prime in there. It had a lot of big games. So I don't know if this is better than that year, but this year has a lot of excellent games. I don't know if it maybe has quite as quite as many... Groundbreaking. Like, yeah, yeah, groundbreaking or like even like the amount of just great games, but like it has a lot of excellent games. And you're right about that. I don't think maybe like this year... Oh, there, uh, there's less ground to be broken. Oh, for sure. And I mean, especially now, there is a lot of content out there. Yeah. You know, we have uh, three major consoles vying for position. And with the Switch, which kind of balances out as a handheld as well, you've got a lot of stuff out there. And you've got a lot of indie titles too now. I feel like the indie market's huge now too. So you got. Oh, yeah, totally. You've got a lot to play with and uh, play with. And. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what? I mean, we're talking about video games. Yeah. It's funny. 
It was hilarious. Thank you. <laughs> so, like, what did you guys think of this year? Um, I like this year. Um, you know, I'm a guy who does a lot of retro gaming, so I often buy games that I don't play for years, be them physical or digital. Uh, but there were three games that uh, that were kind of 2017 releases that I really got into. I guess maybe I'll start with number one, which I th- was surprised was missing from your list there, Marty. Probably just an unintentional oversight. But I really debated about this between my number one and my number two. But for number one, I'm going with Resident Evil 7. Well, I actually haven't given you my list yet. Oh, okay. I was just kind of giving you a general oh, okay. broad discussion on this show. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess I'll start there, you know, with with uh, kind of my, you know, what was indicative of me for 2017 was a lot of franchises getting back on their feet where maybe they've gone astray. And I would throw Mario Odyssey into that as well, because Nintendo was really focusing on kind of the 3D slash 2D Marios, the side-scrolling ones, and I, I never really liked those. I wanted a direct sequel to Mario 64, or at least Mario Sunshine, which I do consider a, a, you know, true spiritual sequel to Mario 64. Yeah, I'd say it is, yeah. So, but I got that. And, you know, I haven't played enough of it to put it on my rankings. And I debated doing that. But I can tell already it's definitely a return to that. And that's something that you're going to see. Um, across all my favorites is a back to basics kind of theme in the best possible way for 2017. Mm, I do do see a lot of that this year. It's like we're getting new ground being broken, but it's on top of the, you know, kind of wasteland of the old ground. It's like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, it's kind of cool, though. So what? So Resident Evil 7 is your top. Resident Evil 7 is my top. And that's because. You know, I loved Remake, which I mentioned on a previous episode where we discussed Resident Evil 7, but I had gone more than a decade. I had gone, I guess it was about 13 years between Resident Evils that I loved. Now, a lot of people love Resident Evil 2. I liked it. I liked Resident Evil 3, but I didn't love them. And Finally, this year, I got a Resident Evil that within my first 10 minutes of playing it, I was like, oh, shit, I'm going to love this experience. Yeah, you, honestly, you're playing it made me go out and buy it right away. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Well, you were start yeah. talking about it. I'm like, well, I guess I need to play this now. Yeah, you did get, like, I got pretty hype over <laughs> you, 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 you what you were talking about. you didn't regret it, right? No, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought it was mm-hmm. a great game. Yeah. It was one of the very few actually 2017 releases that I played, so hmm. I didn't play that many this year at all. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I was just so thankful after a bunch of action-filled Resident Evils to get back to this. And I mean, we all harp on Resident Evil 5 and 6, but even when, you know, years ago I was catching up on the back catalog with Resident Evil 2, 3, and I think it was 2016 I played Code Veronica which was also, all of these were conveniently released as ports on GameCube. So that's where I got them. Um, But actually Resident Evil 3 and Code Veronica are quite action-based. They're not very scary. So they kind of fell, for me, chronologically into that list of action Resident Evils that I felt went way too astray from what they should have been. Mm. Yeah, then even those aren't that action-oriented, comparatively. No, comparatively. So... 
I mean, I really wanted a true slow burn horror, which is what I felt Remake did. You got that uh, a lot in RE7 for the first half. Yes, for the first half. And it was so good that I could tolerate the second half when it went a little bit more action-y. It even made it feel fresh as I went through it. Because I got my solid, I don't know, four hours of true Resident Evil slow burn horror. And there's some cool moments after that, too. I mean, happy birthday. Yes, nice. happy birthday was <laughs> That's awesome. That's a great part. It was awesome. Yeah, so what's your uh, next one? Uh, my next one was Zelda Breath of the Wild. Okay. And it was between that and Resident Evil 4 that we're battling. Uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild, there's a lot I like. I love the freeform open world. I loved exploring, the you know, and cooking. Uh, all that stuff. God. Um, where, Res- where Breath of the Wild let me down is I-, I really feel the main story was not strong enough. I felt like the sandbox part was great, but how you piece together memories by kind of stumbling on the- them in various parts of the world and kind of yeah. slowly piecing them together, it just didn't really have a strong or deep story. It's really spread out because the game is so big. You might go like 30 hours without experiencing story. Yeah. And I found like the game started somewhat story heavy ish, and then after then it, I would say about fifty hours of exploring, and then it ended story heavy ish for me at least because I did so much exploring. Yeah, and that definitely broke the storyline. It feels, I guess, um, for lack of a better term, it, it's definitely the weak part of the game. Well, and I found I found the four dungeons that are in the game underwhelming yeah. a bit too. I mean, they're all mechanical kind of animal. Yeah, they're buildings. a bit a bit samey. And, well, and the boss is always just a slightly different variation of Ganon. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, maybe that's the way they wanted it once. But for me, it was just, you know, it wasn't as fun as just exploring and and doing the shrines and stuff like that. No, the exploration and the shrines and just kind of discovering the world is the best part of that game. Yes, absolutely. 100%. I only have three, yeah. so I guess I'll dive into my third, sure. which is uh, Civilization Six. Okay. And what I really like about Civilization Six, not just for myself, but for anyone who's kind of interested in one of you two, I forget who it was, is kind of interested in the Civilization series. That was me. That was yeah. you, Marty. See, what Civilization Six gives is I can definitively say, okay, if you're interested in a Civilization type game, play that one. That's your that's your entry level drug. That's your gateway drug to see if you like the rest of the series. And from there, I can point you in another direction because I played all of them, the whole back catalog. But it gives a solid civilization to mm-hmm. start new players on. Okay. And that doesn't mean it's not deep. It's it is deep, um, but it's very accessible. Yeah, I was gonna say very it sounds, sounds much more accessible than some of them, which may be you know skewed towards the hardcore more hardcore game oh absolutely and i know you have civilization 5 and that's great and if you want to play it that's cool but it is more dry and i would say less accessible than civilization 6 i don't have civ 5 actually i decided not to buy it okay because i didn't want to get that divorce we talked about in the previous episode (laughs) by spying more games (laughs) so when they go from civ 5 to civ 6 like what what do they change uh, maybe maybe that's a bad example. Maybe I should really be asking f- between four and five because you can play six and go back to like four and be fine. Like uh, no, they're no, not. You actually can't. You you can't go back from six to four. One of the big things that four had that's very annoying 
is you can do infinite stacks of units. So you can stack like, and this actually happens in the game way too often, like 20 catapults, 15 archers, five knights all on top of each other, forming like a huge army stack. Uh When that attacks a city, it can literally take two minutes to get through a battle as like the unit on the bottom fights a unit. And then the unit on top of that fights another unit defending a castle. And then a unit on top of that fights and it has to go through the entire stack. What Civ Five changed was that you can't stack units anymore and that single units become much more valuable mm-hmm. because you can't stack them. Um, however, Civ Five has an interface that's much more dry. There's a lot more buttons. It's not very intuitive. It's, it's a lot harder to attack cities and to kind of know what to do next. Okay. Um, and it, it also has a very linear tech tree. Whereas Civ Six introduces a whole kind of new culture-based tech tree to parallel the scientific one, yeah, I've heard and that's that. a lot of fun. Okay, you can kind of go okay. in directions with that. Just like when you when you when you say, "Oh yeah, this is the next iteration in this franchise," it's like, okay, what improvements are they doing? Are they what mechanics are they adding? But that's not the case. That doesn't sound like it's the case. And no, in it's almost like a soft reboot is what they did with this one. They probably threw away two-thirds of what was in most of the other Civ games. Oh, okay. The stack thing was there for a long time. Like, that would, that would that's previous to Civ 4, but it just got really annoying to players. And again, individual units weren't worth that much because you could just stack them and they were cheap and you just take a huge army across the land, but... It just wasn't that fun to watch huge stacks fight each other. Yeah, yeah. Or realistic. All right, so Leland, yeah. Yeah, I know you only played a few games this year. Yep. But what did you have? Uh, I mean, I could... <laughs> it was legit. I was looking at a list, and I, I played like four <laughs> 2017 releases. All right, well, so, what was your, your favorites out there? My favorite is probably Wolfenstein 2 New Colossus, yeah. like, by far. And well, I, like, re- just... I. Yeah, I demolished the fuck out of that game. And <laughs> like one 10 hour session of, and a couple five or six hour sessions, yeah, well. like back to back to back. I just, yeah, like ripped right through it. And I was actually playing it uh, today too. So, yeah, they're fun. They're really fun. Yeah. yeah. It's really I hard. Them, like the, when they first came out. Yeah, I know. It's bizarre. Like flew right under, right under my radar for sure. But like, Man, New Classes is fucking hard. But that's probably, that's definitely the favorite for me so far. Well, now you have uh, Horizon I went to, so. Yes. I could yeah. jump on the list. You guys wouldn't give me three hours to sit and watch me play before we recorded no, so I could we, talk we about it. No, we would not. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, like, that's always the case for me in that kind of consumption. Like, I mean, you'll see when we get to the Crazy Book Cardboard, like, it's the same thing. Like, I don't get often to play all of the new releases when they're new right that's like stuff great yeah like i could talk about a bunch of 2016 releases <laughs> right and all that shit i've been playing but it takes a bit of time to get around to it sometimes yeah like i'm still trying to catch up my back catalog a little bit on uh, games and i've got a few from 2016 and yeah. i've got a remake and you know you can only do so much yeah and then, and then another one comes along and it, it bumps ahead yeah. of other ones uh, yeah exactly yeah, that's definitely definitely my favorite by far. Okay. And then I think second, oh, man, pro- probably Resident Evil 7. Like, yeah, the, the atmosphere of the first, like, half of three quarters of that game is just so cool. 
and so freaky and until you have to start <laughs> murdering dozens of these fucking mold things over and over <laughs> and over again. Until you get again. the shot, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> until, yeah, that's right. Oh, I'm gone now. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like we, we've talked at length about RE7 yeah. and, you know, go back to that episode, whatever it was, and listen to it. Listener, if you want to <laughs> recap on our thoughts on that. Well, it says a lot that all three of us agree on a game so much. It really totally. does. Yeah. Because yeah, we have very different tastes. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, to all think that something's good, it, it's probably pretty good. It's funny when I was making this list, I was able to nitpick all these games, no problem. But then I, it was all in the way of like, you nitpick anything you love. You nitpick them because you're like, this was so good. And you spend time thinking about it. And if something was, like, mediocre, you just don't care. You're like, well, that was okay. Yeah, totally. Like, you know, but if, like, uh, well, I mean, you'll find out when I do my list. But, like, there's some nitpicks I have on these games, and they're so minor. But it does affect where they are on my list, really. And it's just because I like them so much that I actually spent the time to, like, dwell on, like, well, that part was stupid, and this was dumb, and this was lazy. You know, and, and that's, like, Resident Evil 7's problem right there. Is it's really good, but it could have been better. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's totally. A, that is its major yeah. fault. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it, that's we say, like, get lazy. Like, it's like the last bit of that game, it just seems like they got lazy. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like they could have done a little, that little bit more, and yeah. it, it could have been, like, the best game of the year. It easily could have been, yeah. yeah, for sure. Well, is that it for you there, Leland? Or? No, okay. So I guess my number three is probably The Long Dark. Oh, I got yeah. a lot of enjoyment out of The Long Dark. I really, I really like it. And again, it's like, <laughs> I mean, I think I talked about it for like two or three episodes in a row in the banter for for a bit there. Yeah, you yeah. were passionate. <laughs> but like, it's like one of those games that like, I think of thinking about it right now, sitting here talking about it, thinking about turning, turning on my PS4 and firing it up. I just, I don't want to do it because I don't want to have to survive. <laughs> but when you're in it, it's really cool and really fun. Yeah, I just I'm having actually a great game right now. Like I killed a bear, and I got it. I made some rabbit gloves, and I'm halfway geared to some deer boots. But I like found this garage, and I'm stuck. I had to run. I ran. I got attacked by a wolf, and then like another one was right behind it, and I managed to get up and into this garage. So I don't know if those wolves are still out there or what the hell's going on. So look at I'm talking about it again. Like I don't know. It's a great. It's a great game. I was gonna say we opened Pandora's box. Yeah, I know, right? uh, Long Dark again. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Long Dark's good. Check check out the Long Dark. All right. So that's your top three. Top three. Yeah. So that's a good top three. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah. I mean, even if you haven't played some of those games yet, like those are all good games. Yeah, definitely. All right. Uh, Well, I have a top five because this is my segment and. I've been finding I'm actually getting way more into video games since we've been doing the podcast, too. Like, I'm wanting to play all these games so I can talk about them. And now that I have a PC, I can actually pretty much play everything for the most part, except for a few Xbox exclusives. And I don't have time, but I'm trying. I'm trying so fucking hard. <laughs> um, so my top five, number five, is Horizon Zero Dawn. It's kind of far away from the other ones, in my opinion. I feel like number four... Two one are like a pretty big step up for me, and number five was like, okay, I guess I'll put this as number five because it's a good game. It's it's a good game. It's uh, it's even a great game, but I didn't enjoy it as much as everything else on my list. It kind of lost my interest part way through. Oh. It's it's a bit long. It's got that open world feel. 
it, you lose uh, some... I, I mean, for me at least, I've kind of lost interest in the story partway through. Um, it's so such a pretty game, too, and it's like, that draws you in at first. Especially, I saw it running on 4K on a friend's PS4 Pro, and it was just graphically just phenomenal. And while just watching it in 4K was amazing, but it's almost not enough after a while. And the, I'd say the first 15 hours of the game are really solid. Like it, it, there's a lot of mechanics in it where you're hunting uh, robots and building new gear and stuff. And, and eventually that kind of levels off as you realize you've built almost everything you can build, except for like some really far out there, hard to build items. And you've almost capped yourself to an extent. Um, and it didn't take that long to reach like the level cap and uh, all that stuff again it's separate from the story and the story is just like zelda in a way you lose interest because you're so busy doing other shit and although the story is good it takes a while to really get to where it's great and it does wrap it up really well and i'm not going to go into spoiling it but like the explanation for why the world is ended or whatever is great it's really good and it makes sense and the the acting's great the main character is great but some of the like uh, side quest animations are really shitty as if like they put all this effort into the main characters and storyline but then like the side quest characters feel like they were just tacked on oh larry like La- larry god damn clearly it, larry has been uh they clearly they hired He's moonlighting. larry from bethesda yeah larry's been moonlighting bethesda larry fuck man but- that guy gets around you know, I really love the the focus on hunting like beasts of steel, and you're like this ancient kind of all everything's ancient and tribal. It's it's a cool clash. It just suffers from that open world syndrome, though. Yeah, and that was where it lost me. Um, you know, and that's where like the nitpicking comes in, right? Like it's it's fun. It's got all the pieces there, but then it feels like at some point they didn't put it together right. And you know, if I was to rate it, it would be great. It'd probably be an eight and a half or like a nine out of ten. But when we're talking top five of the year and a really great year. It's it's right now it's five and I feel like if I play a few more of these games on my list it's gonna get bumped off. Number four though, Resident Evil Seven. Um, this was a toss up between number four and three, um, and Resident Evil Seven got bumped to four just because of that last half. Like it, yeah. it loses steam in the end and it's not as strong. Um, and it never really comes together entirely with the story. No, you know you kind of feel like there's this big build up and like anticipation and like. The payoff maybe not as good as you'd hope. Although I really like that you get to choose if you uh, save your uh, wife or like this other random woman who has like nothing to do with you. Like realistically. Moby yeah. saved her. Yeah. And I <laughs> saved her too. I don't know why you guys did that. Because How did you not save me? Because like. Wife's a bitch. Yeah. I wanna, She's infected. Like, you have the antidote. Give her the fucking antidote. I want a divorce. <laughs> Yeah, she was a bitch, you though, and not off. telling you what she was doing and going doing, like, some secret agent shit. She was. Shit. Yeah, you didn't even know her Come job. on, yeah, I don't want to be married. I realize that, but that's national security shit. Okay. Come on, man. You're not privy. You're not cleared. You're, it's classified. This wasn't even... This is world-shattering shit this that she's dealing with. This wasn't even a difficult <laughs> choice for me Oh, man. All. You guys are... No. You know what? I didn't think twice either. You guys are I terrible. I was like, click. Yeah, nope. Yeah. Was her name? It wasn't Chloe or something like that. I think it was Chloe. Zoe. Oh, Zoe. Zoe, yeah. that's it. Yeah, you guys, are, like, her name. you guys are fucking terrible. I don't know her name, but you guys are terrible. I liked her better. Sorry, Mia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. Ridiculous. That changes, like, the whole, like, last bit of the game, too, if you save her or you don't, which is awesome. <laughs> um, you know, I think the thing that was missing for that was, like, a new mechanic or, like, a new enemy type or something in that last half to really rope you yeah. back in. And I think something... 
I don't know what. I don't know what it is, but there's something that didn't quite click in that last half. And if it did, I think you could have had like game of the year right there. Yeah. And you're really close. And by no means is it a bad game, like we were saying. It's so good. Stuff I loved about it, though. I love the music and the atmosphere. I love oh, the, yeah. the song, like, Go Tell Aunt Rhody. Like, that's amazing. I love the first person view and the focus on horror. Like, thank God we got that again. We're going to see a lot more horror games because of that. Exactly. That's what I like when a game hits the ball really good like this one does. You get the copycats, but... I mean, if they're copycats in a good way, if they're yeah. copying the right way. I mean, we can get like a new Dead Space game, maybe. Like, we can get yeah. these things. I doubt it because yeah. the, the developer went under, but uh, we got shut down or something. But this was a RE birth for the franchise. Yes. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Like yeah. RE birth. Uh, number three. Mario Odyssey. In a year where Nintendo released a true 3D Mario game, and it's fantastic. It's difficult to think that it's only number three. Yeah, that's a good point. Are you kidding me? It's Mario, though. But Mario games are so yeah, good. Like, yeah. They're always what do you mean so it's just sound. Mario. I know it's what? just Mario to it's, you. But, no, but you know what? I mean? All right. Okay, well, what do you mean by that? I mean, and of course, I haven't played Odyssey. Yeah. So, and it sounds though like they did what they needed to do as in changing it up. Yeah. But still being true to its predecessors and the, yes. the thing that made it good. Right. So, but like the games before them. Like galaxies, there's still, it's still a Mario game. You know what I'm saying? But the the galaxy game feels almost like a series of mini levels. Yeah. It doesn't feel like you're really, truly exploring. That's true. This game, it feels like it has segments like that, but there's segments. And it feels like there's always a big open hub to explore, which I really like. So that was an improvement. Yes. Yes, I really like like having these big hub worlds and like there's one called New Donk City where it's basically like a New York style Manhattan type like level with people that are twice the size of Mario and there's almost no enemies in it. You're just uh, exploring, you're jumping off cabs and stuff and uh, like at one point you can just get in a cab and it just speeds off and you're in a whole nother segment of the level. Like it's just (laughs) there's weird things like that. You can ride scooters. Um, There's a lot of random cool (laughs) shit in the levels. There's like 800 moons to collect, which are like stars from Mario 64, which is incredible. I mean, I'm at 450, and I've beaten the game, and there's still like 350 to go. Wow. And I've found maybe a half dozen that are so hard that I'm just like, I don't think I could ever do this. Like, they're just beyond my level of like OCD to like (laughs) jump a rope 100 times without missing it or something. Oh, fuck. Those ones are hard. (laughs) I think the word you're looking for there is annoying. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that, that, that's why this is number three. No, um, you know you know why this is number three and not number one, even though it's a Mario game. It's because in 2017, I don't want to see the same story. I don't care that Bowser steals Peach and he takes her away and he wants to marry her. I'm not saying this necessarily from just like a feminist point of view, but let's be realistic. Like, it's really kind of just sad to see that's all they could come up with. It's like that's that's all you've got now. They're instead of stealing Peach, you're stealing Peach and her fucking talking hat. Like that's that's essentially what happens. <laughs> like right, but that plays back into me saying it's another Mario game. Well, and that's that's where I do agree with you. Okay, yeah, I do agree with you. And the more I've been thinking about it in the last uh, that's where the five cri- minutes, criticism that's comes where my from. criticism really comes from. You know, there's so many good throwbacks, but that to me is not a good throwback. You know, yeah, that's weird. Uh... The good throwbacks are like there's a level where. 
I don't want to spoil too much for Moby, but like it's like a big celebration and you end up in a giant 2D segment with like live vocalized singing and you're running through and there's fireworks and it plays out very similar to like Donkey Kong, like the original like Mario versus Donkey Kong, like and it's all 2D. Cool. It's really cool. And it's and it's like, okay, this is a like a really loving nod to the history of Mario. And they clearly and it's got a big build to it too. And like that kind of stuff is really awesome. Like that's fine. But yeah, 2017 and generic, just generic storyline. Like put some effort into it. Hmm. As as my note says. Except this time, everyone has a hat. Like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're, it's right. I mean, w- w- when you talk about that, because obviously I played the beginning of Mario Odyssey, it's just like the obviously. same kind of beginning as an 8-bit Mario. <laughs> like Super Mario World, it's like this quick, yeah, I'm kidnapping Peach. Yeah, and, and it, now go it play. plays very similar to um, like Super Mario World and on uh, SNES, Yeah, where like you almost fight like Bowser minions too for like part of the game. And you just fight, like, variations of them. And, like, some of the fights are actually sort of difficult for a Mario game. I was surprised. I think I actually died once on one boss. Um, <laughs> Castle Wolfenstein or Wolfenstein New Colossus, this is not. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's still, it's amazing. Like, I can see why it's getting, you know, renowned, like, 10 out of 10s and stuff like that. Like, it's really good. But number two and number one were the tough ones for me. And, uh, I mean, I'm guessing you guys know what one of mine is, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, and I, I've been t- tossing this up since I started writing this and thinking about it. And today I almost changed my mind. But I think I'm going to stick with my original opinion. And I, I would almost call these number, like, 1A, 1B. But, like, 1B, so number two, I'm going with Zelda. It's not number one for me. And I put probably 200 hours into this game. Like, I went and bought a Switch for this. I bought it off Craigslist. I spent a little bit more money than I should have on it. You know, I hunted it down, played the heck out of it. Probably about three months was just like just in this world of Hyrule. And it is so good. The open world is so fun. You know, the transition just seems natural to open world. It just feels like all these games should have been open worlds. Like when you start playing, you realize like the only difference is like Mario uh, Link can climb. Now, that's the only thing. It's like, oh, he can jump and climb. So, like, now everything you see in the distance, you can do, you know, like, instead of, like, there's an b- invisible barrier because of this, like, slight fence or something, you can now climb over top of it. Well, that's the spirit of the original Zelda, right? I mean, I grew up with the first Zelda I played was Ocarina of Time, and I went with the Zeldas from there. And they don't get me wrong, they're some of my favorite video games of all time, but they do not represent the original intent of Zelda. No, which was like a, almost like a choose your adventure style. Like, exactly. You, know, you do anything yeah, in any order you, do you it want. In order, yeah. And that is really where this succeeds in an open world. Because although you there is clearly like a path that was sort of designed for you to follow in the game, you don't have to do it. You can, you know, instead of heading right towards uh, the vi- yeah to the village right away, you can just go, ah, oh, fuck it, I'm going south to the jungle. Well, and, like, I did that last. Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting because I remember you and me were texting each other, and we went in completely different directions. Yeah. I mean, I spent my time a lot in the bottom right areas of the map, which was tropical, had a lots of good stuff that I like to cook um, that, you know, was boosting my stamina and whatnot. Um, whereas you went in almost the complete opposite direction. 
thus, even though I got the game a few weeks before you, you were still beating stuff that I hadn't even seen yet. Yeah, so there was, was parts cool. that, like, I did way before you. Yeah. You know, like, I think one of the snowy areas. Yeah, yeah. You, you did top that. Left, yeah, yeah, top left. Yeah, top left. Absolutely. And you did that, like, absolute last. Yeah, which sucked, because that was a damn good hunting ground. It was, you pointed yeah. out to me. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the puzzles in that are really cool. There's, like, a lot of puzzles just in the open world. You'll mm-hmm. see random stuff, and you're like, I bet I could solve something here. Like, you'll see some stones that don't quite make sense, and, I mean, you're always finding those seeds everywhere, and, like... From something as simple as there's three rocks over here and two rocks over there, and you'll move one rock over there and make it three, and all of a sudden, oh, a seed pops out, Yay. and it's like the game is just, it, it, they're very much like moons from Mario, there's like 800 or 1,000 of them or something ridiculous, and apparently if you get them all, you just get this golden turd-shaped thing, <laughs> it does nothing, it's almost like the developer saying, like, you're an idiot, <laughs> why, why would you collect <laughs> these? <laughs> wow, that's funny. <laughs> Which I don't know is if it's funny or if it's just mean. But, yeah, I mean, I love that game. But number one, though, was Persona 5. I knew it! I knew uh, it was. Dick Monster in yeah. a wheelchair. But you know what, though? I'm an RPG fan, but I'm by no means a Persona fan. Or, well, I wasn't until I actually played this. And now I will call myself a Persona fan. You know, I didn't know anything of this franchise. Uh, you know, I'd heard of it. You know, I'd heard, like, Persona 4 Golden for PS Vita was great. But I wasn't going to buy a PS Vita for it. And then it came out for PS3. And by that time, I'd sold my PS3. But, you know, I, I saw some great reviews, and it seemed different, and I impulse bought it. I just went, all right, fuck it, I'm going to buy it. And it's weird. It's a weird game at first. You play as a Japanese high schooler. You're wrongly accused of a crime. You're on parole. You're living with a caretaker. And then you begin your new life at school. But soon after that, you're thrown into some twisted cognitive world, and uh, you discover it's being run by one of your high school teacher's shadow. And he lives in a essentially a castle that he imagines is the high school. And he's abusing students and, like, sexually harassing them. And you have to somehow, like, fix his mind and make him good again and confess his crimes. And at this point, you're uh, discovering a talking cat who's also a van, who's also a person. <laughs> uh, or wants to be a person. And you're... And you're <laughs> yeah, you can actually ride the talking cat. Which is awesome. Oh, that sounds weird. Can you get inside it when it's a van? Yeah. Oh, you drive them. Gross. Yeah. It's, it's weird. It's as weird as it sounds. And like all of your party is just like outcast students who like all have to like unlock their inner persona or like their inner strength to fight these corrupted adults. And like there's always a reason like they've ended up like this. Like they've been abused or they've been like they're like the smart kid in school who has like unrealistic expectations and like something happens and you have to like. They, they join your group and you end up fighting some adults in their life or, like, someone who's, like, suing them or something ridiculous. And there's always, like, time constraints, too. Like, you're going to be turned into the police in 10 days. So you have to infiltrate this guy's, like, corrupted mind within those 10 days of, like, in story time. So there's always pressure on you, which is really neat. And, like, the, the gameplay ranges from, like, good to, like, standard fare. But then there's those moments of, like, really, really great, like, RPG excellence. And it rarely loses steam because the dungeons are really like a couple hours long each, maybe a bit longer, but there's only maybe seven or eight of them. So like there's not that many in like a hundred hour game, but so you don't really lose interest in the combat, but there's so much of the actual like character building and exploration outside of combat. And that's what makes these Persona games different. So you're actually like building relationships with other characters in the game. So when you're not in this weird world you're actually going out 
trying to form relationships with the rest of your party or like other people and all of these additional relationships actually add to your combat bonuses so like you might um meet this fortune teller and like she'll give you if you develop a relationship with her you can actually go to her and she'll give you like extra experience every time you're in combat or something like that and that kind of i think there's like 20 different um like companions you can essentially like form relationships with and like that's that's where the uh the outside the combat gameplay really works well and it's it, I mean it gets weird too. You're also like taking exams and you're like finding part time jobs. So usually you can do one thing in like the morning and one thing at night. So you can like in the morning you might like go train at the gym and at night you might go work your part time job as a pizza boy. But like they all add to like your abilities too. So it's not like they're never doing something. And then you have to factor that into like okay I have five days to infiltrate this guy's brain and like save the world. <laughs> so you have to like balance it. And it's a really weird sort of, like, balance in a game, but it works really well. And the reason why I picked it as my favorite game, it's just one of the best RPGs I've played in years. Like, I mean, for that kind of game, like, for a uh, turn-based, act, like, RPG, the characters are so good. Probably 90% of them. There's one character in the main story that you have to, you kind of think, like, okay, they added this one extra dungeon to add one more character and, the, like, a party member, and it was unnecessary, as Leland likes to say. But they all have interesting nuances. They're all worth, like, getting to know in the game. And you never feel bored by the story. It's really good. And the music's really great, too. It has an awesome soundtrack. And, I mean, I was listening to it when I was doing the show prep. So that's probably what swayed me. Because I couldn't really do that. Ah, that's funny. (laughs) With the Breath of the Wild. Um, But, yeah, no other game really had that impact on me this year. And, uh, I mean, it took me 100 hours to beat the damn thing. And, you know, that and Breath of the Wild are really my 1A, 1B, for sure. Hmm. Um, That's, Wow. Yeah, I think that's bullshit that you can't just have a one A and one B, but uh, whatever. <laughs> well, fine. One is one and two. You goddamn right it is. You know, um, but you know, do you yeah. need a shittle there, Leland? <laughs> <laughs> on a uh, on a side note, I will say, like, I think this will probably my list might change once I play a few other games. So, I mean, I, I might change this eventually. Yeah, I fully expect to knock off RE seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and like. Uh, Oh, was it uh, the Long Dark's probably going to move right up to number one for you at some point? Oh yeah, right behind there, billions. Once, yeah. I, finally, <laughs> once you play that, once I get it and play it. Yeah, but uh, just on like a general thing, like what do you guys think of the state of gaming this year? Um, in my mind, it kind of has just continued some of the older trends in that you've got Sony and Microsoft, so PlayStation and Xbox, respectively, battling it out for like top power, virtual reality, hundred percent, those sorts of things. Where Nintendo is now established, like, they're the kooky brother in this mix. And they're just just going off doing their simple jack old thing, like, all off in the own in some meadow, dancing around. We're going to have to edit that out. Chasing a... Simple jack? Yeah. That's not PC. Oh. Okay. I think that is as PC as you're going to get. Out of movie. I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. So as I continue, you have Nintendo dancing around in a field in circles. Chasing, chasing, chasing a butterfly with a mallet. Really, they, they're off doing their weird thing where, like, every time they do a system, it seems like they're trying to reinvent the wheel. Sometimes they go terribly wrong. <coughs> Wii U. Um, but you know what? They're doing their own thing, and graphical power is not it. You do you, Nintendo. You do you. You do yeah, you. Yeah, right. You do you. Um, but I think that makes it very difficult to compare Nintendo to the other two. It is. Even when they get the same games, I'm almost like, 
Like, how do I? These are so different. Do this thing. I couldn't imagine owning an Xbox One and a PS4 at this point. No. What, what would be the point? Yeah, that seems incredibly redundant. Yeah, like yeah. the exclusives, especially, I mean, I think that the Xbox One has very limited exclusives, at least that I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. What, what does the PS4 have for exclusives? To, uh, like God of War, year? Last of Us, Uncharted. Um, what else is PS4 exclusive now at this point? I honestly don't know. Yeah, like uh, I don't, um, I don't really pay attention to that much, that shit. No, that much I anymore. think Persona's just for PS4. Oh, okay. Uh, Horizon. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And that's not even on PC. I just play Persona. I think you'd like it. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird as fuck. Seems fucked up. Seems like right up my alley. It's super fun, and the music's really like, it's so catchy. It's just it'll make you want to play. Oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah. It's got like jazzy, upbeat, like voc. It's got like full vocals on a lot of the music. During like like full on combat, it's like oh, it's weird for an that's RPG. cool. Yeah. Kind of makes it like epic. Yeah, kind of. There's a bigger scope. It just feels different. Huh. Feels like it just changes the tone. That's entirely. bizarre. I don't yeah. even know what this game looks like. I've never even seen like a screenshot for it. I'll show you a video later. Yeah, I think like as far as like the VR stuff, like there isn't. It's not to the point where it is pushing a new trend. Not yet. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's right on the cusp, I think, of becoming real mainstream, right? They're not quite there yet. I have to agree. I think that you only have a few examples of where that went really right. Yeah. You know, and I think playing RE7 in VR would be amazing. That would be really cool. Because I was watching some videos of people playing, and they're like, they're shitting themselves. Oh, man. <laughs> that would be creepy as fuck. Yeah. Yeah, and then really tiring the tiring the for the last quarter when you got to run everywhere and just yeah, it'd be like hard on your brain being that like zapped into the you know atmosphere yeah. running around. You may come out like a little mentally disturbed. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I mean, the only other thing I had was like major letdowns, and to be honest, I don't have anything really that way I can would consider a major letdown because I didn't play anything where I was like this is just terrible. I mean, I try to avoid things like that. You know, because I, I do. Yeah, exactly. You do I, your research. I do because yeah. games are expensive, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, the only thing I can pl- I did buy that I kind of slightly regret probably is Mario Kart. Um, mm. Because for a full, I bought it for a full price game, so I'd have another Switch game. And I realized that... Um, because their releases are so limited. Exactly. Man. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, Always can we go back to where I was just talking and you didn't? <laughs> <laughs> I tried not to Leland's blame. <laughs> um, Hashtag but, Leland's blame. <laughs> perfect. But, uh, you know, I bought that so I'd have something to like play multiplayer with my wife because I know she was interested in playing the Switch and stuff. And then I realized, like, it doesn't matter what I play. My What I get, my wife's probably not going to want to play that many video games. And Mario Kart... We honestly only kept our both of our attentions for like an hour and a half until we realized like this isn't a game we really want to turn on every you know couple days and rip each other on yeah and even when we, we played together it's like yeah it's fun but that was good for an hour it's or so mario kart and that's all it still is yeah exactly you know exactly. and for me i guess i don't like racing games either yeah i mean either and that's what really does it for me like that's just at the end of the day it's a racing game and someone shoots me with a blue shell and i lose my shit or those like lightning, like the thing that shrinks you in that game. Yeah, it's like, garbage. Ugh, yeah, uh, not my favorite. Not my cup of tea. Uh, but other than that, I don't really have anything. Yeah, mine isn't related to a specific game, but it is a major disappointment. Which is uh, after knowing the demand for the Nintendo Classic, yeah, uh, the Super Nintendo Classic, Nintendo promised more. They promised to do better to keep them out of the hands of speculators, and they they failed. They did not anticipate they did the fail. demand. 
they tripped up just like the nest. Um, you know, I I tried to get one. I tried to get one through your wife buying me one at the same time. They yeah. wouldn't let her. Yeah. And it became impossible to get it. And I'm very disappointed. Now, I don't want to get excited if they come up with like a Nintendo 64 classic or a GameCube classic. Because what's the point in getting excited over something that Nintendo's not going to make nearly enough of? And my only choice is to buy it on the secondary market for a ton of money. No, I don't want to do that. It's insulting to my personal pride. So, you know what? Like, this is... <laughs> no, it, it really is. It really I, is. I, full, I yeah. full on agree, man. You know I what? Just... At the end of the day, if you want to play these games, you can emulate them on your computer. Sure. And plug in a controller and essentially pay nothing. And, you know, I, I've got a buddy who's got, like, a Raspberry Pi set up where it's just, like, this little box... He took it on the road with him. We were playing it in a hotel, and we were playing uh, we were playing N sixty four games on it, yeah. and he had it all emulated on this little box with with wireless controllers. Well, so, you this know, thing doesn't even have wireless controllers. In my case, I have an aftermarket console that I only have one game for right now, but it'll run NES and run Super Nintendo games. Right. So you know what? I will just buy the games because most of them are relatively inexpensive. Yeah. that I really want to play for that. You know, I'm not going to spend a hundred extra dollars to get a little box, which apparently has really awkwardly short cords. It does. Isn't that correct? You know, I play it on my, uh, the same monitor my computer's hooked up to, so I'm sitting pretty close. And, like, the cords tangle really easy, and, like, I always feel like I'm going to pull the thing off the shelf. <laughs> I feel so. like I'd be very careful. Anyways, you know, it's just a, a disappointment to me as a uh, Nintendo fanboy um, yeah. that they can't get their shit together with these classic consoles. So, like, starting now, I'm not looking forward to any future ones. No. You know, for N64, I've invested the hell into that system anyways, so it's it's not going to be worth it because I own pretty much all the games I want for it. So, anyways, I'm not going to drag that one out, but that was my only example for disappointment. No, no, I think that's it. But anyways, I mean, it was a good year for gaming. It I mean, was. You know, it truly was. It doesn't sound like it based on your guys' list, but <laughs> you know, it, it was. It was a really good year, and I'm going to be playing New Colossus soon. I'm playing Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice. And uh, oh, there's another uh, game. I don't know if you guys know this one's called uh, Near Automata. And it's kind of like a Devil May Cry style game. Ah, it's like your. Uh, that sounds cool. You're like a I like an- android fighting like robots in like a post-apocalyptic world or something. But like apparently the game leaves you sad and feeling like what's the meaning of life after <laughs> you beat it. So wow. <laughs> I'm pretty interested to, be- to play that because it's wow. got really good reviews. Um, and then Cuphead and a few others. So once I play those, my list might change, but that'll take a while. So I'll, I'll update on a future episode. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I guess we're on to the next uh, segment. All right, we're moving into the crazy about cardboard segment. And much like the video games, like 2017, I don't think I've played a single 2017 release. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, I haven't purchased a single 2017 release. Like, there's so much. There are so many. Everything I looked up looked like it was from 2016. Really? Like that we I'm like, oh I know that. Oh 2016. Oh, oh yeah, that. yeah. The things right, right, exactly. Like yeah. you usually like yeah. it's funny, like my collection's like a year behind, like a year, year and a half behind most of the time, right? It was like I think Captain Sonar was like twenty sixteen. And like yeah, I, saw yeah, that, yeah. I was like, Oh Captain Oh, it was twenty sixteen. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought maybe it'd focus more on like just kind of the growth in twenty seventeen. It's huge. 
and how and how it just yeah the industry and the hobby is just getting bigger and bigger and doesn't seem to be really slowing down no this is definitely the golden age of tabletop it, it really is and you know i thought 2016 was a killer year but this year i think is is a better is a better year well, well, as far as releases and like i got list them out long I'll, I'll rattle off some some ones that i'm interested in really want to just pick up yeah i you know leland there's that story i told you where i was trying to prep for this and i went through the huge list of 2017 releases and all these awesome looking games when i got to the bottom i realized it was just november 2017th releases, releases. Yeah, yeah. and that was kind of my holy shit moment with yeah. how big board gaming's become yeah yeah it's insane there's just hundreds if not thousands of releases in a year or whatever and you know that's part that's okay i'm gonna get some semblance of order before i just start rambling about stuff uh so i thought i wanted to talk about um like i said the growth like uh gen con sold out completely sold out of their their day passes this year i think that's like the first time they've done it before the convention started or something like that like 60,000 unique attendees they mark like they mark like turnstiles right for every day of people coming in and out i think it was like oh, just over 200,000 turnstile visits holy cow like insane like uh, i don't know it's it's crazy and like they there was a brand a brand new uh con this year pax unplugged so at the regular paxes uh their like hobby their tabletop gaming sections were just getting bigger and bigger so they're like you know what we're we can just make a strictly tabletop packs yeah so uh that was this was 2017 was its in, inaugural year uh it was in philly and packs is huge now it's insane because i used to follow it like i used to read penny arcade all the yeah. time and i'd be like oh well, okay now they have two packs going on right there's like packs east and west yeah or something. yeah and now there's like packs australia yeah, packs down under or whatever, and like there's so many. Yeah, and there's it seems like there's always one going on. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? Uh, it, like this, packs unplugged was actually just in November, I think it was. Okay. And that's I think that's an odd. No, that's still con season. I think I don't know. It would be I don't know if it's like you know in like a kind of a a lull in the in the con seasons. Like Is sometimes. It? I think maybe it was PAX U and like BGG Con or something that were there were two cons that were like the same weekend mm-hmm. and it was like I guess people were bitching about it or something because you know, can't go to can't go to both God damn it I don't know I just thought it was really cool that PAX unplugged apparently it was really wicked too like it'd be awesome to go to and I was I guess the guys the Panyaka guys and what who was the other it's like Penny Arcade and someone else right they like. That started it. Sorry, Pax? Yeah. I think this was Penny Arcade. I thought there was two different dudes, but whatever. They like, I don't think they like to put out like uh, attendee numbers because hmm. I don't think they, they don't like or they don't want. They're trying to avoid the comparisons between the different Paxes, I think. Oh, I see. Yeah. So I couldn't really find any numbers uh, for like attendees for Pax Unplugged this year, but I don't know. It's just like growing and growing and growing. And like, even as far as like, like, like I said, releases, just so many. You can't play them all. You just physically can't play them all. No. And with all the with with all the releases come 
more and more content creators too, right? Like, and honestly, they're the content creators are just invaluable. Like they are, they are the ones that are going through all these games. And with, I mean, yeah, there's obviously giving me a ton of overlap for all of the, the new hotness titles and stuff and the ones that are getting huge, big buzz, but they're the ones that are going through and they're the ones that are helping you weed out the ones that eh, maybe that's not for me kind of thing. And like, honestly, that shit is just invaluable with this huge market. Yeah. It's just, you got to appreciate it. And you got to appreciate the hard work that all of these creators are putting out, these YouTubers and podcasters and just written reviews and you know, all. I, I, yeah, it's just, there's so much of it out. And like now it's, you get, you get the double edged thing though, too, right? Like there's so much content out there for that side. You can't even consume all of that content. And it's like, oh man, no. I try. I fucking try. It's, uh, you know, I've noticed that with a lot of these things, like, you know, I'll start listening to a video game podcast and it's like, I almost feel like that ends up sucking away from my actual video game time mm-hmm. because I'm listening to podcasts about the video game. And yeah, totally. And that's where you, you like, there is this weird line that's kind of, we've, we've blown past it at this point where there's so much content for everything now. Yeah. Like everything pop culture, everything nerd culture, you know, not just board gaming, but video games, movies, TV, like there's never been so many scripted television shows as there is now. No, that's a good point. Yeah. We'll get to that later, too. Like, yeah. It's, it's crazy. It is insane. And uh, it's like, and you know what? It's funny, though. Like, it's not, for me, anyways, like, I don't, I've never found a new podcast or, or whatever type of media. Like, I've never been like, oh, hey, I'm going to check this out. I'm going to check this channel out. And I've never been like, well, that was, you know, that's fine, but I'm not going to come back. Like. I just I just keep adding to the list of of like content that I just keep going back to. Like I've never oh. I don't weed it out. Leland, I don't Leland though. You're terrible for that. You'll watch and listen to anything. Like TV shows. Anything and everything, I guess. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah, pretty true. little liar. Ah. <laughs> but what I'm saying is I like I haven't I've never found something that was like this is this is just not good. I just don't enjoy this. Like I just I like I really enjoy watching uh, like uh, run-throughs, like playthroughs. Yeah. Like like Heavy Card. I love Heavy Cardboard channel. YouTube's channel is is awesome. They're actually doing where they did, because uh, after this is aired, it'll be over. They did like an advent calendar for December where they streamed like 26 games in 25 days. Like, oh, wow. a, like a game a day. Like you're, like you're opening like crazy. Is this like where fat people play board games? What? Oh, Heavy Cardboard. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's like oh. it. <laughs> that'd be a good name for it, though. Well, Body sure. positive cardboard player. No, it's <laughs> it refers to the type of games that they generally prefer, as in the more complex ones. Oh, yes. <laughs> if you are playing a heavy game, then it's usually well, why didn't they call it skinny people play complicated games? I I'll send them a note and I'll ask would, on your behalf. I would know about, about, I'll ask. What, about what they're trying to uh, sell will, me here. I will ask them. Next live chat I get, then I'll I'll pose that question. Thank you. <laughs> Where was I? I lost my train of thought. Oh, okay. I just like what I'm what I'm trying to get at is for me because I li- I like to. De- this is where I choose to devote my most of my time. It's it's. I just I have no problem. I have no problem devoting my time. Is what I'm real. Is really what I'm getting at. Right. Like. Like I always say, I, I never get to play enough games. These playthroughs really 
pique my interest, right? And and then like they also and again they help they help you they help me decide is this something that I actually want to buy? Like you can look at pictures and you can read a rule book, but if you see something getting played and you actually see how the mechanics are working, then yeah, that that totally helps me make that decision. Oh, this is like your porn when you're waiting for the real thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, this is my board game for it. This helps edge you a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, just get, I'm you know what, at some point, we got to do like a drinking game where listener can listen to back episodes. And when Marty brings up porn or a porn website, he takes a drink because <laughs> I think you'd get pretty drunk. Even just well, well, not really. You'd have to listen to like 86 hours of content. Yeah, shit. <laughs> Our listener is devoted. He is loyal. Uh, she, or well, she, whatever she is. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently you could in the okay. Listen to the last two. You could drink every time we said shovelware, <laughs> and you'd be flat on your ass. <laughs> you'd be shoveled into the hospital. For we listen to like the, the ones in the middle, and every time we say uh, unnecessary <laughs> or, or samey. Yeah, samey. Although I haven't said samey in a while. Yeah, I'm picking up that slack. <laughs> Where the fuck? What was I doing? What was I don't I know. You were continuing to rant on the. You're talking. I was gushing. Know. I was just gushing about all you content creators out there again. And ah, uh, I don't know. Well, I'm gonna, okay. Why don't I go through? I again, I haven't played. I don't. I haven't played a single 2017 release. <laughs> That's so bad. But I have a big old list of ones that look real cool. Uh, like like Spirit Island, Clans of Caledonia, Photosynthesis, Whistle Stop, The Climbers, uh, Twilight Imperium Fourth Edition. Man, I want that game. Ti Three has been like like my Grail game, the game that I just had never always wanted, but never could pull the trigger on the price. And now they just thank God because with Fourth Edition out, it just looks so so pretty. I want it. I want it. And for you two, I don't think I've got. Have I ever spoken to you about Twilight Imperium? No, but listener super geek has he goes plays it. Yeah, right. But it's so it's like, oh man, I just want it. It's just like a, it's like axes. It's like axes and allies in space, and and like it's like is it centers the Catan meets axes and allies. I just I I want it. I want I want it. I want it. I want it. I want it. It's indescribable, and I want it. I'm speechless. Uh man, I don't know. There's just so many. Tell me more. Yeah, tell, so many, so many great games. Like, okay, one that I really want to cool that uh, heavy cardboard streamed, Pixie Queen. This, this game looks real fucking fun. It's like you're 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 like you play as pixies and you're trying to you know appease the malevolent Pixie Queen. And it's a worker placement game, which I, I worker placement is one of my favorite mechanics. And the score the, the score track. Is so it only goes up to plus twenty, but it goes all the way down to minus sixty. So what you're basically doing is mitigating the amount of shit the pixie queen is dumping on you, pretty much. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, it's like really cool. It's not how good you did; it's how bad you didn't do. Exactly, exactly. So like, if you like get around the minus five to zero, like you're playing a pretty good game. Like, <laughs> it reminds me of fiasco. It's like it's gonna end bad. Yeah. Just how bad is it gonna? Exactly. End? The point. The point is the mitigation of the yeah. misery, right? Like, yeah. yeah. It looks. It looks really cool. Uh, what do we got written down here? Usually, I think every year there's you can, there's like kind of a like trends, you know, trends that play out. Like 2016 was, I guess, Mars probably. And like before that was Vikings, and then much way longer before that was, of course, zombies. And you know, you go through all these crazes, and 
What about like these games that start entering like the kind of the pop culture mainstream? So like Cards Against Humanity, like that kind of thing. That was a few years ago now, where yeah. like all of a sudden everyone was playing that or did play it at least once, right? Yeah. And uh, you know now you're getting probably like a lot of games that either rip that off or like kind of go down that same track where it's a little bit lighter fare, right? And it kind of broaches the mainstream. Yeah. Yeah, like party games. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty but, much it. But really, like, that's that's so much more popular than it used to be. Yeah. Well, Marty, you're kind of touching around the one point that I have, which is that, you know, I know cardboard and board games have been popular for a few years, but this is the first year that I will truly admit that board gaming is on the same level of popularity and, and geek levelness, for the lack of a better term, as like video games and movies and, you know, it's comic media and stuff. Definitely like that. around there. Yeah. I don't know if it is on par with video games right it, now. It's in but the discussion. It definitely is because I've had people come to me in the same way they'd come to me knowing I play video games and start talking about gaming and come to me not knowing I play board games and going, hey, have you played this? And people who I just didn't, had no idea they'd play those games. And, you know, it's even brought like, people from my work into like you know around uh, gaming with us before yeah and i i'd never done that before yeah and, and you know what i think it's it's doing what everybody in the hobby wants it to do you know you want you want to bring in more people you want to grow it you want to make it more inclusive for everybody it's i think it's it's doing a great job of that yeah you know what's i mean leland you do a good job of it but because you've got all this you know storage at your apartment but that's one thing that worries me if i were to get into board gaming is um unfortunately board games simply take up a lot of physical space they really do and with so many people living in apartments that are smaller and smaller it i think it's hard to really amass a solid collection it is yeah and and again that yeah you know a lot of a lot of people like to do like a one in one out thing like once they kind of hit Whatever they choose, whatever they make that number for themselves is kind of their critical mass. Interesting. Like me, like I, I have zero shelf space left. I will not be adapting a one in <laughs> one out policy. I will buy more shelves. I will find this. I will build more shelves. I will, I will rent a U-Haul and park it outside. I will continue to <laughs> amass and, and keep. The games I add to my collection. Because I think you should expand it so it goes over your television. Yeah, and just make like an yeah. entertainment unit system full of yeah. board game cubbies. That'd be cool. And you'd be staring at them while you're playing games or watching TV. Just <laughs> yeah, like, right. Being like, all right, I'll play more board games. Yeah, they take up a lot of space. You're totally right. And it is a challenge. And like that first in for south thing is soup is that makes so much sense because there are especially now, there are so many games in that use the same the, the similar mechanics or you know or the same vein like a social deduction game you could you could shoot an arrow and hit a social deduction game right like there's so many different ones that do so very similar things that you maybe have their own different takes their own different themes that may draw one person to it to to one as opposed to another so it's completely valid to be to be trying new games and be like you know what this is this is a this is a killer this has killed this other game for me kind of thing right so that's i don't know if you you gotta you gotta draw the line for yourself i guess like otherwise what do you do there 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 aren't solutions like i just i i am a collector i've always been a collector of things 
and I will continue to be a collector of things until the day I die. <laughs> until the credit card companies come for you. <laughs> until those things eventually crush me in an earthquake or something. Oh. <laughs> hey, don't put them in your bedroom. No. I, I sleep right at the, uh, the base of my shelves. What are you talking about? <laughs> as far as a hobby that would t- that takes up space, like, I mean, you you got a collection of video games, you fit them in a fraction of of the space that you've... If I got a hundred video games, I can fit them in, in one twenty-fourth of the sh- shelf space that I can fit a hundred board games. In. I've got... I think 760 Blue Razor DVDs, yeah. and I can fit them in half your shelf. Yeah, they it's fit in insane. one yeah, closet. Totally. And the other thing, too, is a lot of those things can be acquired through digital media now. That's <laughs> that's right. But, you know, that's Leland right. and I are similar. We want to be wearing house coats, smoking a bubble pipe, and, like, peruse the library. Uh, yep. Yep. <laughs> that's yeah, accurate. The physical library. I much yeah. prefer the physical. When I was a single man, I much enjoyed that <laughs> oh, too. Low blow. <laughs> no, I just mean like I I can't I can't just take over my home now <laughs> and make okay. it about okay. video games. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I would like to. That's a fair point. That is a very fair point. So, I mean, yeah. I've snuck a warhammer under the wall and a katana, but <laughs> 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 Well, you know, I have one letdown from 2017. And we we even talked about it last episode. Moby is the Evil Dead too. That is my note. That is a my straight. Yeah, note. I am. I am let down as fuck that that is not a 2017 game that I have in my hands. It, it's I, worrying, Leland. Yeah. Honestly, it really makes me not want to spend money on those Kickstarters. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. I, well, let's just wait. How see how it pans out. I mean, sh- shit runs longer than. <laughs> You're right. Like, shit happens. And yeah, I know. But what worries me, and this has happened with other Kickstarters, not just board game ones, but my my worry with Evil Dead, like I mentioned last episode, is that they don't seem to have control over the manufacturing situation. They now feel like they're being pulled for a ride and all they're doing is giving us updates, being like, yeah, we don't really know what's going on with manufacturing. You know, this dies wrong and now they've got this holiday that they've got to go on for two weeks and I don't know what's happening. We'll uh, we'll throw a dart at the wall. Oh, it hit April 2018. Oh, we hope it'll release in April 2018. It feels <laughs> okay. like that. Yeah, okay. Maybe that's extreme, but it feels like that. Yeah. But honestly, these 6, 12, 18-month delays are not uncommon hmm. with some some board game Kickstarters. This is pretty common in, like, video games, too, honestly. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, how often does... Well, just like a Red, Red Dead Redemption 2. <laughs> yeah. That was supposed to come out, like, two months ago. Yeah. Or the 450 bucks I dropped on Star Citizen in 2012. Well, that's never coming out. Just get over it. Uh, they're supposed to release their big alpha version of it pretty soon like q1 2018 yeah q1 2018 oh okay wow i was reading about a guy who's trying to get his money back from them it's like 25 grand and he's in like a legal battle holy shit there's a lot of those guys though there's not just one there's a lot of people sunk huge amounts especially germans that's crazy that is crazy oh man okay well i mean like really like again, like I, I don't. How can I have a disappointment when I haven't gotten to try try these games? No, no. and I think realistically, you've nailed it on the head. What this segment really is about, and that's just how popular this is becoming. Yeah, 
I want to bring up something that's linked with the popularity, and uh, this is something I've been thinking about, which has actually affected the marketing of the craft beer market, which is what happens when a, a industry segment grows so quickly, like board gaming is, um, there's limited shelf space at the distributors, and it starts to create a, a feedback issue where the only way a company can maintain the same amount of shelf space at a hobby store is they've got to create more and more new games quicker and quicker. And I know we kind of have a little point to possibly talk about dangers facing the hobby or upward trend. I think at the very least, the trend is eventually, it might take a few years, plateau just because there's so many board games out there. People don't have enough money to buy them all. Stores don't have enough room to stock them all. Yeah, that it's not affordable for some of the smaller companies to just make one game a year or something like that, you know, or. Well, yeah. OK, so that's yeah, that's agreed. And that's like a lot of designers like they're part time designers because designing games yeah. can't pay the bills. And that's smart, actually. Yeah, that's yeah. smart for their sakes. Right. And well, that's the same thing like. That's where Kickstarter is a really good thing for those smaller publishers because, I mean, so many so many publishers will make a Kickstarter and they will just straight up say, like, this, it, this will never make it to retail. Like, this is – you get it here or you get it on the secondary market. Well, like, like, that's, that's it. And exactly. You're going to get it on Steam or you're not going to get it at all. Exactly. Exactly. Like, perfect example is Seventh Continent – I think I've mentioned before they they recently had like a second Kickstarter. It was like it was like for an expansion, but you could also just get a, the base game or or just get the base game. So I missed it the first time around. I heard all this this really cool buzz about it, and it just like it seems like it's just something an ex, it's an experience that I don't want to miss out on. And so I I backed the this Kickstarter, but that's a game that. It, there's like a thousand individual cards in this game. It's just too pricey to take to retail, and 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 the I think the publishers and designer were wary of how well it would might actually sell in retail. In a, in addition to that too, so so it just yeah, it's a Kickstarter game. You kind of get it here, or you may not get it at all, kind of thing. It's understandable. I yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, no. if you. If you can get that game into people's hands, the people who are cl- clearly want it and are putting up the money for it, then all the power to you, in my opinion. Because, like, otherwise, we could miss out on some really great games. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah. Like, this Seventh Continent, it just sounds like it's just something that you just haven't haven't seen before. And to, to not have that innovation and kind of, you know, like, ha- that injection of innovation that eventually you you need like it like any other uh hobby like you can get stale right well i think you're right i think the reason we're in this golden age has a lot to do with kickstarter and a lot to do with these oh developers. yeah absolutely I mean, absolutely you, having this expanded and like just expanded innovation in this genre and like this hobby is what has led to this yeah it's really insane what you can do with some cardboard chips yeah like i mean just even like like the like the exit series and the unlock it's like they put an escape room in a box yeah and you know some of them are hit or miss uh you know some of them are, are more challenging which is more which people like better or 
you know, maybe like a, I think on one of the latest unlocks, I think it was like a, the app that you, the companion app was a little buggy. Uh, I heard, and I don't know, but like it's just it's just innovation. I mean, even like like Time Stories. Time Stories is a it's a game system like that base box. Yeah, it comes with its own base story. And that's another game where you you once you've played it, like you're done with it, basically. But it's so cool that it's it's a system. So you just buy additional stories for it that you play with the base components. And they're just generic chits that represent whatever is applicable to this this expansion story that you've purchased. Like, it's just really cool shit. It's, it's awesome. And it's, I think it's it's stuff that you you just can't get electronically. I agree. And it's funny, though, like as as removed from electronics uh, a physical game can be and of course that line is now is more and more getting blurred with the introduction of companion apps or apps that you need you cannot play the game without kind of thing yeah that line gets blurry but it's funny that like the advent of social media and just how connected you can really be is also a, a, a huge contributing factor and has been for years, obviously, in, in continuing to grow and continuing to match up to, to again, allowing these content creators to put out their content and to continue to create them and to have an audience and get feedback, which gives it value. I mean, what's what's the point of putting something out there with no audience? Does it have value then? I mean, maybe it still has value to the creator, mm-hmm. but... I don't know. You do mean you, like the podcast? <laughs> like our podcast. Our podcast only has value to us right now. That's right. <laughs> and listener. Damn straight. And listener. And we'll only ever have that value. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know. It's just. Uh, <laughs> so, Keep getting these all wrong. <laughs> boy, your timing's off, off today. It's just really. It's just been a long Awesome episode. to be in the hobby right now. And you know what? I, I can't think of <laughs> like I trying to imagine like stepping into it now like totally just like i've i've never played a game outside of monopoly and just like stepping into this world you'd be putting your thumbs in your eyes and just i yeah i was like trying to think like (laughs) the amount of overwhelming the just so much shit is out oh man there's just so much stuff that's what i feel like when i try to get my wife into video games yeah because it's like I have like 25 years of experience to draw on this. Yeah, you got base knowledge. And I have so much. And it's like, I'm trying to, you know, you try to ex- just explain like, we've had conversations like she'll ask, she's like, well, why do you like this game? And I'll explain to her. And like, you could tell she's like, I don't get why that would make it good. Like, I don't right. get why you prefer this over a movie. Right. And I think it's the same thing with like these games. It's like, well, why would I play this over Monopoly? Like, what's so fun about, why would I spend a hundred dollars on this game? This board game, but then once right. you're in the culture and you're you're in the hobby and like I, you know, you if do you, understand if the new. You hadn't introduced it to like us to the extent that I, at least for me, at least I mean, I would never have played a lot of these games without you showing me. Right, I wouldn't have gotten into these like three to four hour ex- like heavy games because I didn't like Axis and Allies really. I didn't like. Yeah, I hated. I hated the base Axis and yeah, Allies yeah. back in the day. I hated. You that know, shit. I didn't really like Risk even. Like I, so you, we used to play the fuck out of Lord of Rings Risk. You yeah, remember that? And like, <laughs> I used to play. You know, I kind of played it just with like, okay, yeah, <laughs> everyone's playing. Yeah, 
you know, and even Catan after a while, like we played the shit at Catan. Yeah. It's like, even that was like, okay, that's enough fucking Catan. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, but now I give such a collection where it's like, we never have to play the game twice in a row. We don't want to. Yeah. There's always, there's always an option. It reminds me of like, we played Wiz Wars once or something. Yeah. And I don't think I, re- I don't even think, even think I've thought of it since then. That was right. like two years ago. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and it was fun. Yeah, Wiz Wars is fun, yeah. So, like, stuff like that. Like, once you have that, you have a collection, you have the experience, you know that these are fun games if you give them the time. It's, yeah. It is cool, and it would be hard diving in cold. Oh, yeah. It would be super challenging. Hey, Moby, one thing, back to the beginning when you were talking about party games. Uh, where did you pick up curses? Uh, eBay. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, you like eBay, though. I do, and, I mean... I, how do I put this? Buying it in the most financially responsible way was not a priority. I did, oh, okay. I did heavy research. I probably did a hour solid research on finding a board game that one was very highly rated by the community. Two was not a hard board game. I wanted something that in the case that we actually did uh, when you opened it, if you got excited and wanted to play it in a party setting, it, was it would easy. be accessible sure. to everybody there. So that was priority number yeah. two. Nailed it. Dead, yeah, for sure. Exactly. Um, and actually, priority number three is I really did want a comedy-based game because I know knew the people that we hung out with right. were not hardcore gamers, prefer laughing comedy. Right. Yeah, oh, yeah. Then you, yeah, you nailed it because it, 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 it was fun. It was a lot of fun. It was really and it's, I actually really want to play it again. Yeah, yeah. We totally so. should. Yeah. It was it was really good. I felt like my psyche was breaking by the end of that. <laughs> well, I know. We <laughs> it draw, it dra- it drug on much longer than it should have. Like, that's a group of people I feel really comfortable with being an idiot. And I felt like this is too much. Like this is I, I'm a broken man. I've stood I've stood in front of thousands of people in my underwear flexing, but like <laughs> yeah. this is this is too much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah. you know one one good thing that I can say is like there was choice, Leland. There was choice. Cool. I had multiple options and I can't say that ten years ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Yo, yeah, yeah, you're like right. You that. can't, you can't. And there's others bookmarked for future birthdays and <laughs> Christmases. Well, that's so. good. I have you know, I had never heard of or seen curses before it was it was really fun for for listener curses was like so on your turn you got you got a curse deck and a challenge deck and basically you draw a challenge card and whatever the card says you got to do it and then after you've done your challenge you then draw a curse the top card from the curse deck and then you can hand it to a player and now that player must abide by that curse like the very first one i got was every time i spoke I had to strum my invisible guitar. So, which was fun. And I mean, that's a relatively easy one. But like, as it was funny because I was trying to explain the rules. And of course, I got that curse like right away. So as I'm like trying to uh, facilitate the game and the rules, I'm like, yes, now you draw that card as I'm as I'm doing my (laughs) air guitar. And it was really fucking fun. Yeah, I think by the end of it, I had to have bunny ears every time I talked. I had to be biting the tip of my tongue. I had to be talking in a high falsetto voice. Yeah, as as Elmer Fudd. As Elmer Fudd. I had to uh, talk as Mr. T at one point as well. So, like, every (laughs) sentence had to have Elmer Fudd, Mr. T, high falsetto, biting my tongue. And I had to, um, was it sneeze before every sentence? Oh, yeah. You had to rhime, too, every time. On your turn, yeah. (laughs) So much. So... 
when you at the table, when you see somebody who has failed to abide by the curse, you hit the little bell that it comes with, and you say, ah, you fucked up, and then that person flips that curse over, so the back of the card is displayed, and the first, if you have failed at three curses, you are disqualified. So Marty was maintaining, like, half a dozen curses, like, right to the end. And uh, we were playing a little incorrectly, because we, we were like, oh, if you're eliminated, you can't call, and we left it up to the players in the game to call on curses, which ambiguously the rules state that no everyone should still be participating so it ran a lot longer than it should have but yeah the rules were kind of like ambiguous on what exactly participating after you've been eliminated meant yeah 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 totally but in hindsight though having played the game like it makes complete like it makes complete sense yeah, the, yeah. that ambiguity is is there isn't is it's gone because yeah this is the only thing that makes this game like tolerable oh yeah <laughs> after you're getting handed like yeah. a million curses but it was really it was really fun that was a solid solid buy there mode well do we want to move on to movie musings i'm ready you, let's move on to movie musings the academy weighs in and by academy we mean us because we are better judges of films than the modern academy agreed at least in my mind. Uh, this is a pretty simple segment. Uh, for the most part, we're just going to run through our favorite films of 2017. Uh, we'll cap it off with the worst film of 2017. And I th- I tend to think, listener, that at least two of us may agree on the same uh, worst film. Oh, really? I, I okay. have a hunch. I have a hunch. And what about also, the best if there's ones? any surprise, surprise. Oh, I think a number of our best ones we should overlap. Yeah. Maybe let's do this a little bit different than the other segments. How many do each of you have as favorites? Three. I have one, two, three, four, five. Okay, I have five as well. Everybody cool if we maybe start at our least, uh, like our like fifth? Number five. And we just go one, Ooh. one, one and explain why we like that. Okay. okay. I can throw two so, more. I'm not sure. I actually, I don't have mine. Order okay. I will order oh, them. I will order. No, I will order them as we are doing it. Then I will okay. spot it on spot. Put them ranked one through five. I just kind of had a list. Okay, sounds good. I could throw two more in there. I, I just figured. It'd be I have fun. a note. A couple notables. Okay, my number five actually is only because of a technicality with the one I wanted to put as number five. I wanted to put as number five the founder starring Michael Keaton. Oh, okay. Um, where he is. Uh, you know, Ray Kroc, who kind of really took McDonald's and made it the big thing that it was. And he was kind of not a very nice guy. Um, Now, that was released in theaters out here uh, January 20th of 2017. But unfortunately, to make it eligible for last year's Academy Awards, it was released in one theater and premiered uh, in 2016 in December. So it's not technically a 2017 Ah. film. Yeah, fuck it. So I put Thor Ragnarok as my number five. Um, Thor Ragnarok Your fifth best of the as year. my fifth best. Okay. Yes. It okay. was a ton of fun. I was worried about the ad-libbing, but I thought it was fan-fucking-tastic yeah, for the most job. part. Tons of fun. And even the battle sequences, I know I've said this before, so I won't spend a lot of time. I was worried that they would have focused on the comedy too much. I loved Thor's fighting sequences. Yeah, they were really good action. It was great action. Oh, man. Yeah. That hammer work? Awesome. And it'll be coming up in my list. Oh, yeah. It's on my list. All right. Leland. All right. My number five. Okay. I think my number five is going to be Raw. I spoke about this in, I think it was episode 11. It was one of my horror movie recommendations. Yes. Yes, That was this year, huh? 
It was this year. Yeah, I was actually surprised it was this year. Um, I wasn't sure when it was released when I watched it. You know, I, kind of, I think I rented it on YouTube or something to watch it. Raw is, is the one about the uh, the young woman who is attending veterinary school and through the initiation eats uh, a rabbit liver. Uh, her objections, because of course she's been a vegetarian all of her life. And once she's uh, ingested it, it kind of awakens this cannibalistic urge and and as it often does of course rabbit liver has that effect on man many people indeed uh and i think it was a uh it's a french film i think yeah it was it was really cool i liked it yeah i i really enjoyed it the ending like the ending was great like yeah no the, the last like the last line of the movie is just like oh wow that is so cool and then with that one line it puts the whole movie in like a slightly different light and you're like oh shit that's real cool. Oh, I like moments like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, oh, yeah. And it's like it's like super understated too. But it's like wow, okay, yeah. cool. Is that available on Netflix or anything? Uh no. But like I said, you can find it. You can rent it for five bucks or whatever on YouTube if you okay. really wanted to. Five bucks, four ninety nine for an HD. I think oh, okay, isn't it? Fair enough. Four ninety nine. Okay, check number five. All right, my number five. Uh, well, since I only had three, but I can throw some. Uh, my, I can. I can, you know, fix up my notables. I had a couple notables. All right. Uh, number five is called The Big Sick. You guys haven't seen that, have you? I no. have not. Okay. No. It's a comedy, like romantic drama comedy film. Um, it's got, um, uh, I'm blanking on the actress's name here, but um, she's in a few films. Like um, that movie uh, we saw like a couple years back where it's like that author and he writes that girl to life. Oh, um, Zoe uh, Cassidy, the redhead girl. Yeah, Cassidy okay, yeah, yeah. or something. She's in it, and then uh, comedian that I'm going to butcher his name if I uh, try to go down this route. But he's like a Muslim American uh, comedian, and it's basically about them like falling in love and her getting sick, and oh, about yeah. like the racial tension between like his family like wanting him to have an arranged marriage and like her sickness, and like basically they break up right before she gets sick. So it's about him. The bulk of the film is about him basically uh, meeting her family and like them forming a relationship while she's in the hospital and him being there for her while she's like almost dying. And so it's actually a really funny movie, too. It's got um, Ray Romano's plays her dad and he does, <laughs> he does such a good job. Oh, cool. <laughs> so he's really good. Wow. At it. And I think it's Laura Dern um, plays her mom. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's Jurassic a, Park lady. Ellie Sadler. We like her. Yeah. Is it? Who? Is that Les Laura, yeah, Laura yes, Dern? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. She's in The Last Jedi, too. Yes, she is in The Last Jedi. Am I getting this wrong? You might have the wrong. You may have. She's the blonde from Jurassic Park who's macking on uh, Sam Neill in Jurassic Park. Is that the same <sighs> actress? Or... Maybe I'm wrong on that. Oh, yeah, I'm wrong on that. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Laura Dern. <laughs> yeah. We still love you. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking of someone else. Okay. All right. So she's in it. <laughs> number five. All right, Moby, number four. Number four, again, I don't think uh, many of these are going to be surprises for you guys as they come out. Number four is It's Not a Choo-Choo, Logan. The Logan, the Wolverine movie we were waiting for, the movie we hoped it would be. It is the movie we wanted. It is the movie we deserved. It really was. It really was. It was fan-fucking-tastic. Uh, we got to see an R-rated Wolverine just drop F-bombs and slice stuff to shit without, you know, nice editing to make In, it like, the first 13. 10 seconds. Like, right oh, away. The first 10 you're, like, you're like, okay, this they're doing it. All right. And you know what? The, the film... <laughs> oh, God. They're fucking with Wolverine's limousine. <laughs> they're dead. <laughs> it's hard to describe. The film 
honestly didn't see itself as a superhero movie. It was a dark character drama that involved Wolverine and Professor X and, you know, maybe drama action in that order. And it took itself seriously in all the best ways. Um, I really like how Patrick Stewart, I know he, spoilers, listener, um, you know, how he's killed is pretty abrupt. But I like that we got to see him go into the sunset in an emotional way. Yeah, yeah. Of course, with Hugh Jackman. And it also opens an intriguing possibility for an X-23 spinoff that's rated R, you would hope, maybe? Something maybe down the road, yeah. 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 You know, I really did like the actress in it. Yeah, I thought she did a really good job. In a very adult yeah role yeah yeah i mean i i've got some stuff to say about it it's coming up good good yeah i you know what i'm not gonna drag it out i just love logan i know it's on netflix which i have i bought it on blu-ray just to support the filmmakers so that's what i can say it deserves it yeah well my number four is split oh shit i haven't seen really want to see it i i was you know what? This could all almost have made my surprise list because I I was surprised at how much I did enjoy it and how how well it was made. Uh, like I was like, oh okay, I want to see. I like James McAvoy, the uh, old J Mac. He yeah, he was he did. I thought he did a really good performance. And but like even the main uh, protagonist, the 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 young lady, I don't know what her name was. Uh, she did. She was great in it too. Like it was, I don't know. And you know what? Really, what made it is is the tie-in to Unbreakable at the very end of it. And now, of course, this 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 additional movie. You could almost say this is like the third in this trilogy. Maybe yeah. kind of. No, I don't know. That's a little loose. But like, yeah, I, I I was very surprised at how much I enjoyed it. It was really cool. Yeah, really cool. It is really cool. The beast is is scary, <laughs> and it's funny though because it's like. What I really like about it is like it leaves you wondering, okay, is 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 he is the beast really this supernatural entity or is it legitimately like a mind over matter? Like he his character does he believe so deeply that he is able to perform these physical feats? Mm. That's what I really like about it. That's what I really like That's about cool. it. That's cool. I like that it treads that line. Yeah. Yeah. Because I thought it did a good job of even it. Even the universe it fits in, in the Unbreakable universe, even though like he's a, got superpowers, it very much treads that line of reality. Yeah. yeah. He, like, he, uh, he's not, he's not, like, Bruce Willis's character, like, he's not an anti hero, mm-hmm. but he's not really a hero. No. Like, he, he's just a man. he, yeah, he really, really. I mean, he tries to be a hero in Unbreakable, right? Like, yeah. But he's like kind of he's kind of bad forced at into it. it, though. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, no, I just I'm really excited for for the, yeah. the little crossover now. That's, that's gonna cool. it could be could be cool. So it seems like uh, M Night Shyamalan Ding Dong's having a bit of a, <laughs> a renaissance. Yeah, I like it. I like yeah. it. All right. Uh, well, my number four is it. Uh, it, oh, yes. it was good. It was good. And uh, we've talked about it many Not times. Top five good. But, you know, I haven't seen some of these films that you guys are talking about. So, again, like, you know, if I was to go back in a year, this probably wouldn't be on my top five. But, you know, it, it's worth watching. So, you know, go back yeah. and listen. What to did, it. Why did you rate it? I Remember? think I gave it a nine. Um, Whoa! It's not top five then? You think it might get bumped? You know, I've had the more I've thought about it, the less... It, it doesn't sit bad with me, but I, it doesn't sit, like, memorable with me. 
Yeah, yeah, know? I get that. And, and that's where you know, it's nice to step back from something and go like, yeah, maybe this wasn't as good as I thought. Yeah. And it was a bit of a letdown. I think the best thing we got out of it was my crazy it laugh. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, no more. Oh, my God. I want to hide. Uh, All right. Well, we hide. <laughs> um, yeah, my third, and this is probably with the exception of my number two. This is the one I think is not going to be shared. Dunkirk. Um, I thought about it. Blech. Moby is a war movie yeah. guy, and I am naturally attuned to war movies. Dunkirk was very creative in how its narrative worked, and it's... Uh, it, well, yeah, I, I agree with that for sure. Um, it was. And I mean, the things that I like are some things that I know you like, Leland, because you mentioned it. You know, I like how the Germans are this, like, unseen force, and with the exception of some of their vehicles. And so you just get the sense that there's, like, this wall of undefeatable doom closing in on that beach like just whatever 10,000 strong of undefeatable machines and bad guys and there are some issues with character development um I'll admit that um but as far as kind of putting you there and how oh, sorry how can you have an issue with something that doesn't exist? Oh, Ooh. and which one's, which one's Harry Styles? <laughs> I'm still actually not 100% sure. I think I know. I think it's the French one. You know, I agree with you very much in the interesting way they told the chain of events that play out through the movie. But <laughs> it was a little confusing at times because you're like, okay, I guess not really. Because, like, you know, the character, but when the characters started to cross over between the different. The day, the hours, and the week, or whatever. Yeah. That, like, it became like, okay, I don't know in what time, like, when did this happen in relation to this scene before? Because the, again, the environment, the setting, it was just so drab and the same. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it is hard to follow in a way in that not only are you dealing with three different, I don't know, what do you call it? times temporal stories but there's also land sea and air which right. further splits things up and yeah. the imax which is constantly like changing the light yeah. and dark it's it's a little bit uh breaking i wonder if maybe i just saw a regular if i watched it again mm-hmm. it would have a different opinion of it could be i wonder you know again this is you're talking to a guy who's seen a lot of war movies over the years and just to see something different meant a lot to me and to see something on the dunkirk story and what happened there yeah. meant a lot to me so yeah, I, I liked it that's all i really got to say I just didn't it. top five like it <laughs> okay my number three is john wick two Ooh, guess what good. guess what that's my number three too Hello! good pick good pick. it's really it's it was really awesome like it just took what was great about number one and then just ratcheted it right up mm-hmm. so my top three are all films where i left the theater with a big ass fucking smile on my face. yeah mm-hmm. yep 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 you know, I have a very inkling that you, are Marty, two and one are going to be the same as well. That would be interesting. Oh, yeah. They're, I don't know. They might be Maybe inversed. Maybe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay. But yeah, you know what? I think that's funny. Our top three are probably all the, all the same <laughs> top three. But yeah, John Wick 2, I mean, like, it's absolutely brutal. It's action-packed. And it's occasionally hilarious. Yeah, yeah. The 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 subtle comedy, the subtle yeah. comedic sequences are just are they just hit so well. Yeah. The fact that we actually get to see him kill people with a pencil by the end of it, you're like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there's so many shotguns to the face. Like Yeah, yeah. There's that one chase sequence after he's um after that he that woman slits her own wrists and he's being chased. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's like, so cool. They it, get into the, the it's tunnels so long, and you're like, wait, he's going to keep killing people. <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's never like boring, but you're like, this is the longest I've ever seen someone like shoot people in the face. For yeah, it's insane. It's yeah. so cool. And like that, that whole part when he's confronting her, I don't even know what her name was. And she's like, she's like, yeah, I'll just k- kill myself or you yeah. kill me kind of thing. Oh, like, on my own terms. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that was pretty cool too. There's so much world building for that universe too in that film. Like, yeah, you take- really get a, a, you, you get a much bigger look into how all of this assassin yeah. shit works. And like pull like calling in the marker and it's like, yeah. oh man, it's either you you do or die when that shit drops. Yeah. Like that's cool. You know, it had all the markings of a movie that could have been much lazier than the original. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, it's yeah. just an it, action it, it movie well yeah. with one pretty good action star, but you know, Keanu doesn't do a ton of stuff these days. But I mean, my situation was unique, and I saw John Wick 1 that morning before we saw <laughs> yeah. John Wick 2, and That's I finished awesome. it five minutes before I left for the theater to see John Wick 2. <laughs> yeah. That's so awesome. So I had it super fresh in mind, and I can validate what you're saying in that it took the original and just made it so much better. Yeah. yeah. It, it really was awesome. The first one's like a more a much more serious film. You yes. know, it's like it's a more character-driven, like you're like, okay – you know, this this is a man who didn't want this, and they killed his dog, and it's kind of, like, representing his poor dead wife and, like, all this stuff. But by the second one, he's just like, fine, fuck it, I'm back in. Yeah. And, yeah, exactly. And the comedy is genius. The I will never forget the uh, gun buying scene yeah. with Peter Serafanovich, or whatever his name is, with that buttery sweet voice. Uh, what, what would you like for dessert? So, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. It's like he's buying guns. Grenade yeah. yeah. launcher wine. for dessert. Yeah. Oh, that was genius. Yeah, it was really good. Stuff. Really good. And you know, I, I was, I was thinking when you when you brought up about the first, and really the drive for the first movie is an emotional response mm-hmm. from Keanu, despite him being like stoic, just kind of as the nature, like that's who the character is, and I guess the line of work you know, lends to being that way, the stoic kind sure. of and I was I was thinking like, you know, the only thing I didn't really like about number two was that he did break the hotel rules and kill the guy. Yeah. I mean, like it seems like really it's just setting up a third one. Mm-hmm. Like did you, did you kind of get the same feeling? Yeah, like, I did, especially at the end. Yeah. But this. you having said the 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 drive of the first film really it makes sense that that character choice makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, despite how how stone faced he is, he plays that character. Like, he is a slave to his emotions, yeah. and really, that 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 choice makes complete character sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's done with this now. Yeah, he's like done with these rules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like he's he's been playing by them, and they've just they've just fucked him over every yeah. t- every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're really cool, them. really good. Yeah, uh, so Moby number two, I guess. Yeah, my number two, I talked about it last episode. Um, You guys haven't seen it. Please do. We'll watch it together. I'll buy it when it comes out if necessary. The Disaster Artist starring Franco A. Franco and Friends. Um, There's a lot of fantastic (laughs) cameos. Um, Something I didn't mention, like Zac Efron plays uh, Chris R., who in the movie The Room is like an over-the-top, F-bomb-dropping, like, gangbanger thief. Zac Efron plays this guy. And you don't even recognize him at first. You're like, holy shit, who is this angry guy? 
And then when he, you know, takes his makeup off and stuff, it's Zac Efron. And (laughs) it's got tons of cameos like that, including ones I don't want to spoil. There's like a cameo list two sentences long. Really good movie. You don't need to have seen The Room. I've never laughed so hard since I saw Planet Terror in 2007 in the theaters. Hmm. Um, That's a big uh, compliment for me. It is a big compliment. Mm -hmm. I think think most listener would really enjoy it. So it's just so well done. That's great. I want to see it. So I want to want to want. So number two. Numero two oh. My number two is Logan. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Pick. It just yeah. And honestly, issue. my number two and one are, are yeah, they're they're really close. They're super close. The toit. Yeah, the toit. Uh, but Logan, I just you know what, maybe I, I changed my mind. I changed my mind. Oh. My number two is Thor Ragnarok. Mine too? <laughs> oh, I changed my mind. Okay. <laughs> and I will get to why I changed my mind. But like, yeah. man, Thor Ragnarok. I mean, I know like, Marty and you and I both just gave it a 10 out of 10 in our bonus episode. But and like it feels like, yeah, that should make a number one. But like we said, like it's not a perfect movie. No. But my enjoyment was a solid 10 out of 10 on yeah. that movie. It was it's 10 just, out of 10 on enjoyment. Yeah. Oh man, that was just so good. It was so satisfying to see yes. Thor get his 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 due. It was redemptive to see. It Thor was. Get his it really due. was. And that makes it even better. You're like, ah, you know, Thor finally got his really good movie that's worthy of the top echelon of the MCU. Yes, and I have almost no criticism of it. I know. I'm trying to think of something that like really just kind of fell for me. Marty had a small criticism that I remember from her special. You you kind of felt it dragged a little bit when he uh, Hulk turned back to Banner. I felt that like time. it felt weird like Banner didn't really feel like Banner but then Leland pointed out a good obvious point is that he is a fish out of water. He's been Hulk for two years yeah, two and he's years. like now he's like what? where am I? <laughs> you know so of yeah. course it's going to be what, weird. What? So it totally fits with the tone. You know what's interesting about that is like to the Infinity War trailers every time you see Banner he's Banner he's not Hulk. Yeah, that throughout that entire trailer, yeah. I just wonder if like because like at the end of Ragnarok he's Hulk, hmm. right? Yeah. So at some point, well, okay, you know from the trailer, at some point he's basically crash lands back in onto Earth, and Strange and his his buddy find him or whatever, right? Yeah, just by that trailer. So I guess in in that that event is probably just what makes him change back. I don't know, but are they like saving up like you know like they did with Avengers one like? I'm always angry and he's going to pull that same shit as he's going up against Thanos or something. Or maybe will it be something more cool like he is unable to transform into Hulk. Yeah. Maybe. And There's a third do option. something like that. He oh? seemed very scared to become Hulk again. Yeah, he's um, just not willing to. Not willing to. And there will become a point where everyone is... People are dying. People like are dying. falling like, around yeah, him where he's just you. forced to bring out the big gun. No, that's cool. But they did the, they did the same thing though in Ragnarok. I know, I know. Yeah, and that's where I'm- but I think in this one, you could literally like have these heroes that have been built up for years and they're dying. Like what if yeah. what if uh um Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow dies? Dies. Yeah. She just gets poof. You know what would actually I would love is if Thanos kills banner and everyone's like oh my god banner's dead and And then is left with and the hulk is left yeah that could be Mm -hmm. cool that could be really cool yeah and they could like write it they could write themselves out of it however they want and basically just showing like 
Banner is like immortal because anytime he's in mortal, mortally wounded, just Hulk takes over and Hulk, Hulk strongest of all. Yeah. <laughs> that could be cool. That would be pretty neat. But tangent. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah, I just love Ragnarok. Uh, it was number two for me as well. Yeah. It was so much fun. That's all. I mean, just fun, fun, fun. Yeah. <laughs> funny, fun, 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 fun. You knew from the first scene when he's talking to a skeleton and then. Yeah. And it, 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 it started high and rode that it wave rode that. all the way. Yeah. Yeah, right up to Fenrir. <laughs> yeah. Undead Fenrir. It's so good. Uh, so I know Moby's number one, so we'll just skip him. No. Oh, but you guys do know my number one. <laughs> yes. Yeah. A uh, movie that has displaced displaced one of my top 10 films of all time, you know, at least by one spot. Blade Runner 2049, everything I could have ever hoped for. Love it. Still love the original. Blade Runner 2049 brought up questions that I still think about driving in my car every second day. Um, I just love it, love it, love it. Can't wait to buy it on DVD and Blu-ray <laughs> and watch it a third time. Blade Runner. You know, if it catches you, you're through. <laughs> I I love Blade Runner too, but for some reason I didn't feel like it deserved a place in my top five. And I gave it a, I gave it a good review. It's fair yeah, enough. You did, yeah. Both of you seemed to thoroughly enjoy it according to the rating. Yeah. Well, know. it was no no surprise that it did not make my top no. five. But it certainly did not make my worst of Don't either. I know. it's definitely not a bad movie. In fact, I think you were moderately surprised in how entertained you were by it. I remember you mentioning you were impressed with certain details. Yep, there was there was a lot of things that I really liked about it, and and most of that was just the world that it, the mm. setting. Because I I am a I'm a fan of that cyberpunky futuristic, but kind of like still kind of like low tech futuristic stuff. Like I like that shit, and that's yeah, like the 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 setting and the world really really hammered home to me did you know about the new uh game by the witcher developer that's gonna be all like cyberpunk and it's like a big a- open world action like or like rpg style game that's cool made by them but it's gonna be like a cyberpunk game oh okay yeah and it's probably like five years away like a little more more neon-y than like human revolution kind of thing yeah it looks like a little more like futuristic than even that hmm interesting mm. you know what speaking of uh blade runner let's tangent again i was speaking to uh, a listener and um, she was saying that she <laughs> she was saying that she felt being a big fan of the original. She felt that the world portrayed in twenty forty nine did not seem as gritty or mm-hmm. as dirty. Hmm. She thought she felt that it felt it was it did seem like brighter. I think you see more of the world in this one. That's probably why. Yeah. I think. Well, I kind of, I kind of, my opinion of it was that that to me seems like it's just a result of the technology advancement and how, how really vivid any color you can portray on screen does appear. Yeah. That's how I feel about it. But like, yeah. Yeah. The first one had almost no color and it was always at night or twilight at the very least. Yeah. So. Like like in in twenty forty nine, like all of like the huge big neon ads, this like aggressive advertisement, right? Yeah, which is which you know supposed to be that way, right? That's that's the world that is part of, that's part of that world, right? Like just bombarded with with transaction after transaction after transaction, right? Yeah. Anyways, I thought that was an interesting point. Cool. No, because we did in in that bonus episode, we talked about how we felt that the transition between 
that movie to 2049, like that they did a great job of still keeping an even portrayal of the world. So yeah. I thought it was an interesting point. Like, well, 30 years later, it does seem a little like it's kind of it's a little more brighter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I would argue with listener there a little bit. I mean, there's certain shots. There's one with Kay Ryan Gosling walking along the street and like. There's street sweepers, but there's so much fucking dust and trash on the street that they can't even sweep up anything anymore. Yeah, they just blow it to the side. There's that great shot I think you like where he's driving his car, his spinner, over Los Angeles. And you see like just thick blocks of like ghetto houses stacked on top. Yeah, I love that visual. So that shows how like – more crammed and disgusting living on Earth has become. It yeah, reminded me so. of uh, Dread. Yeah, it, yeah, it's a little like bit. City That's block, very like similar. The apartments that had like you know hundred thousand people in them or something. Yeah, you know it's interesting that in that Blade Runner universe, like it's there's no real uh, like like drug like drug problem. Like Dread is like like riddled with the drug ish, yeah. right? But yeah. like you just, you don't really see that portrayed in the Blade Runner universe at all. I almost felt like their drug was, like, relying on artificial, like, intelligence. Yeah, like, yeah, they're they're dependent upon this technology, this stuff. Yeah, Yeah, that's a really good point. Actually, that's a good point. Even you, like, there's that short scene with, like, the whorehouse with the replicants. Like, that Sex in a way being a drug, yeah. using replicants yeah. for sex, Just different vices, joy, joy in general. Like I'll tell yeah. you what you want to hear. Yeah. Yes, yeah. actually, that's. I think. I think you've hit on something there. I think that may be analogous to drugs. Fuck, I'm smart. <laughs> joy Good was job. Like point, Marty. Joy was one of the best characters in the entire Blade Runner universe. She, yeah, she is. She's it. there's so much you can totally ask my favorite character. Great. Anyways, well, you're, you're top. My numero uno, as you may exist, because I just switched them, is Logan. Logan. And, okay, so I was thinking about this, and I originally had Ragnarok as my number one. But, like we said, it's it's a 10 out of 10 for enjoyment, but Logan, I feel, did so, just did so much service to those characters, to Wolverine and Xavier, and it's it's such just a great bookend to the saga that is Hugh Jackman's Wolverine and uh oh my god Patrick Stewart's Charles Xavier you couldn't have a better bookend you can't you can't and that's why Hugh Jackman as a fan I don't want him to come back ever even as a cameo I don't want to see any iteration of Wolverine for a long ass time you can't and like I mean, the scene where Xavier dies thinking Wolverine killed him. Oh, yeah. You know, and like you have to wonder in his mind if he thought like, I kind of knew this would happen someday. Hmm. Even though like. Yeah, like like he's and he gets this like and you see it on his face like he gets this clarity through his mental fog. Yeah. That you see at different points throughout the movie and you like see, oh, man, there's the Charles. There he is. But you and you and you you feel like. I'm seeing you see the Charles that you know and love and should and he should be, but in death. Yeah, like super powerful. Oh, that's that. That movie's just powerful. I mean, it is. It really is. The scene at the end, like his death scene, and then the funeral scene when she's just reciting the the one film in her life she's like seen. Yeah, and totally, and it's like this perfect analogy for Wolverine's life as like this like lone like gunman essentially. And that's how she gives his eulogy. Yep. I've seen the movie twice in theaters. 
the first like the first time it was I was really wanted to take it in. Second time I'm watching it, like I was I felt really emotional. Like I wasn't quite at like tears, but like I'm as close as I can get in a theater to tears. Yeah. You know, and like for me to, to feel that way in a superhero film about a superhero that I've been watching for twenty years, like I know, about about a a character who you like how how could I see a performance that's going to surprise me? Yeah, from fifteen years of of the same yeah. actor playing the same character through so many different iterations, through so many different writers. Like, there's a cool uh, nuance or like little tidbit from the last Wolverine movie where when he sees his someone tells him his future that his heart will be in his hands, and that's like she yeah. sees what's going to happen, and yeah. that's how he kind of di- he dies as he's holding his chest. Yeah, and that then he dies. And but also, at the very end, he's holding hands with X-23. Yeah. And his heart is in his hand. Oh, yeah. that's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> See, like, I got just got shivers. Okay. Yeah, it's it's really good. <laughs> and you know what? I've, I've even seen some people that are a little kind of iffy on it, though. I don't know how you cannot have loved know. this no, movie. No, you I, know, I saw, it with, I saw that with my wife the second time. And she we left the theater, and she's like, I feel, like, awful. And it... Like, it, <laughs> it, it it just, she's, she's like, it was a good movie, but like, it was like upsetting. It's a downer. It was like, she's like, it was so violent and it was so like, it wasn't, wasn't like fun violence. This isn't like no, John Wick it's violence. Not. No. It's like, this is disturbing, like kids yeah. being yeah. executed. It's gratuitous. It's gratuitous and it's like realistic, gritty, horrible violence. Yeah. It is, um, it is exactly what you would think a man with knives on his hands the yeah. destruction that he could do. But yes. even the scene where, um, like, his ally, I forget his name now, but the one that's, like... Caledon. Cal- yeah. Um, he can't be out in the sun. He blows himself up. Yeah. You know? And it doesn't even really solve any problems for that. Really. <laughs> like, it's so sad. Yeah. It was a very bold movie. Um, yeah. I think you almost had to have 15 years of superhero movies to even get to this point where a studio would let it be made. But... I mean, more power to them. It was so satisfying. Yeah. It was yeah. so satisfying. I don't want to see more Wolverine. No. I know. I, I don't I, want to see Exactly. It it's this. just like, because you can't not just compare it to that. Exactly. Right? Like, all the shit, all the crappy, like, Wolverine origins, like, you fight through that. Like you said, you need, you need 15 years of Wolverine to get this movie. And yeah. like, I am so glad that we grew up with that and we're able to, to get that culmination now, like at our age, like, because like y- you, you do see, you see Wolverine from being a young man to becoming this old man, like similar to how I feel like our, like our, our, how we grew up, yeah. like we, like us watching the first X-Men, we were, we were young I mean, we're teenagers, right? Or you, and we're young adults. Well, I think it was the Teenager. first one was what nineteen ninety nine or two thousand one. Yeah, yeah two thousand. No, it's two thousand on the dot. So yeah. I was oh, okay. grade ten. Yeah, so I was like twelve years old. <laughs> yeah, we were good here. You kids. know, but sit, <laughs> we're, we're you all. know we're like at the point now where you know we're encroaching on thirty. Yeah, you know? yeah. That's right, yeah. encroaching. Right. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, but what I'm trying to say is that, like, I felt like I have grown with this character, and now, like, uh, and now you're dead inside, and now I'm, I'm, I've died with this character. <laughs> but what you said about how, how the ending is just like, uh, just depressing, like that, and how violent the whole movie is, is, is 
how Wolverine's life has been. It is. How yeah. much, how the shit that Wolverine, the character, goes and has gone through and has forgotten that he's gone through so many times. And just the loss that he has felt and seen just living as long as he has. Uh, just, yeah, so good. It's a perfect representation of his life, which has been like grief and loss peppered in with moments of happiness. Yep. And even his ending where he's dying a violent death, but there's that little bit of happiness knowing that he's kind of right, he's, he's, he's passed on something. Yeah, he's done exactly he, what he's stepped into those woods to yeah. do. That, exactly what he chased those kids to do and knowing that it could result in him, his demise. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, oh man. So good. Yeah, it was, so that's why it bumped Ragnarok, because yeah. they're both they're both uh, they're just so entertaining in different ways. It's like I say, like I compare Ragnarok to Winter Soldier. Like they're just I just love them both for so many different reasons. And that's why Logan edges out Ragnarok for me. I, well they're both superhero movie tens, but for completely different reasons. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Unless you're Moby and you give it an eight. <laughs> well, all you know, I don't want to reiterate why I gave an eight. No, but so it's fine. <laughs> okay. What well, was your number one? Logan. Yeah. Okay. Huh? <laughs> That's so funny. We nailed it. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Top three. That was that was the easiest thing for me in the world when I was writing this list. I was like Logan, and Thor, let's work yeah. and then everything else. Yeah. And you know what happened? You know why I had Thor number one initially? It's just because it's so fresh. Yeah. Just because it's so fresh. But I mean, as I was. As I was trying, I was I was about to explain why Logan was only number two. I was like, "Wait a second, these are reasons why it should be number one." Because <laughs> of course, I was thinking about explaining it directly, comparing it to Ragnarok, obviously, right? But oh man, <laughs> fuck, that well, was good. Yeah, that was good. That was good, guys. Good little segment there. Um, I do want to go through the if there was a surprise for you. Um, I actually don't really have a surprise. I was no. gonna say the. That Blade Runner pretty much broke even financially, but I don't think that's a surprise when I think about it. It's a cult film that they gave a big release sequel to. Yeah. So that's it. Worst film of 2017. I had a surprise. Okay. No, I know. I know. I'm just, because I don't really have a surprise, I'm going out with my worst film. You guys can take it over. Power Rangers. Fuck. (laughs) Me too. I forgot about it. Me too, man. Yeah, that's it. Boom. Right there. Worst. You know what? Movie it ever. was such a mess. We went through it before. Listener, find the episode. I don't even want to talk about it. Yeah, we My bad childhood about it. as a giant steaming polish. Ruined. Ruined. Yeah. I slept through half of so it. So bad. And, and there was every... We were in the best possible situation to enjoy anything about it. And it just... just yeah. Absolutely Got a nice on. buzz on. Nice buzz good on. Food. Good food. Good Fine. company. Just, yeah. Bad. Bad, 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 bad. Anyways, that's what I got, Leland. Yeah, I'm so on board with that. Well, I actually have two surprises. Okay. My first is, I don't feel at home in this world anymore. Well, that one's really good. Yeah. Yeah. I was very surprised because I was like, oh, this is kind of like, what is this movie? This it's, is a, weird. it's a weird little uh, kooky movie. It's fun. It is. It uh, has a, a co-stars Elijah Wood. And did I write the woman's name down? I don't think I did. What an idiot I am. She's good in it, though. She's really good in it, yeah. So, basically, if you're familiar with Two and a Half Men, she plays Rose on Two and a Half Men. Oh, right? that's where I've seen her from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, she's really good. I don't even know what the movie's about. It's about this woman, like, she's kind of a, she leads a sad existence. 
Yeah, she's kind of just a stepped on person. Yeah. And then yeah. it's about her kind of just like taking control of her life. It re- in, yeah, in, it really in, is. In like a violent sort of like. In an over the top, a little too far kind yeah. of way. And Elijah Wood like helps her find her. Elijah life. Wood plays the perfect role that Elijah Wood, that I love Elijah Wood in. Yeah. The weird, out there, quirky, like bizarre role. Like he's just this dude with a dog. And he likes to do ninja stuff. Nunchucks. Yeah. <laughs> nunchucks and like throwing stars. And yeah. Well, oh yeah, she gets her, so she gets her computer stolen. Yeah, her house gets broken into. Yeah, and it like breaks her sense of security. And and she like, has she has very few things of value, yeah. and, and like the she poli- gets and the police pretty much are like, yeah, well, why didn't you lock your doors, kind of thing. Like, yeah, yeah, because yeah, I think she left the back door yeah. open or something. Yeah, they're like basically. Well, sorry, you're kind of sol. So she goes and tracks it down. Yeah, she like she like GPS tracks her laptop or whatever, and takes Elijah Wood with her, and they go into this house, and I don't know, it just kicks the plot off from there, and she gets yeah. like wrapped up in Christ knows what the oh man, it's just it's it's really good, yeah, it's certainly yeah, it's worth a watch. Oh yeah, for sure, it's on Netflix. It is, it is. And my second one was that I actually just watched like a couple weeks ago was Free Fire. I haven't seen it. Do you guys recall that? I recall seeing the preview of this. So that's it's the that movie. That I'm sure you'll remember the preview that it's basically a big Mexican standoff. Like there's this arms deal going down, they're in this warehouse, and it goes awry, and everyone's got guns pointing at each other, and they're firing all over the place. It's got Brie Larson, uh, Army Hammer, Killian Murphy, uh, Charlotte Copley. Uh, all really good. I it's mean, a good cast. it's a really good That's what I was like, see it, and you're like, wow, look at this cast. I'm like, how the fuck could this movie be any, any, any good? So, so it is on Netflix. So I was like, "Oh, cool, okay, I'll watch this." And I had forgotten what it was or that it existed. But it was so it was legitimately really fucking funny. As like, as the there's a conflict between like you know a lackey and another lackey of the two sides, and they get in a fight, and then like they start drawing guns. They start drawing guns on each other, and it's basically like the IRA. I think I think it's the IRA are like bu- trying to get some assault rifles and shit, and like. <laughs> And Army Hammer's awesome in it. He's like, he's probably the main, like the main dude. And like, just like, they just start shooting and, and shooting at each other. And like, everyone's like getting hit and they're like taking cover, but like their legs are exposed. So they're like getting, taking shots in the legs. And like, every like 45 seconds, someone gets shot in the leg or something. It's just, it's really fucking funny. Like, I would totally recommend it. Okay. <laughs> it was surprisingly like, I was like killing myself, like just that, the ridiculousness of people like getting, like shot, like nicked in the shoulder. Like, oh shit. <laughs> like, firing back. Oh man, it was really good. Yeah, that was oh. super surprising. Super surprising. Okay. Um, what about your least favorite? Oh, sh- yeah, least favorite. Okay, yeah. Power Rangers, agreed. I also had, uh, I was really, really let down by War for the Planet of the Apes. Hmm. Yeah, you didn't like that. That movie sucked. Really, it I, was, didn't, I didn't think it sucked. All right, it was it was mediocre as fuck. It's not. It, where's the? There was no war. Misleading no title. War? Boom. False advertisement. There's no fucking war for the Planet of the Apes. That's horseshit. You know what? The war is really the other humans coming for the other humans. Like maybe that is what it's alluding to. Yeah, and they kill each other. They, yeah, I mean. Well, no. Okay, it turns out that humanity's greatest weakness is an avalanche. So yeah. great, hurrah, monkeys! Clap, <laughs> clap, clap. Good for you, symbol clap, monkeys. Fuck you, monkeys. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you, Caesar. You need a shittle. But I need a shittle. No, this, I was so fucking let down. Like I was almost pissed leaving that. Like this is not what I thought I was going into. That's what I. I had a thing in my mind, like because I I liked the the first one. 
Uh, I liked Rise of the Planet of the Apes. That was the second one, right? Yeah. That one was cool. That one was really good. And then, like, I was like, oh, okay, this is this is sweet. It's got, um, shit, what's, what's, why am I? Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson. I was like, I love, Woody Harrelson's great. He's always good. Yeah. And he was good. And I don't know. It just, like, it turned into, it turned from, like, this war. You saw, like, 10 minutes of, like, actual, like, guerrilla warfare between these two sides. And then it's, like, kind of turns into, like, a prison escapey thing. And yeah. I don't know. They, I thought, I felt like they tried to hit on a bunch of, like, you know, emotional comparisons between the two sides and yeah. kind of the regression of this, of the human race. Like, you know, they're now kind of debased themselves just through their, their losses from this mm-hmm. disease or whatever that wiped out the, half the planet in number two. And I don't know. I just, it felt real short for me. It feels like there's very few redemptive qualities to the humans in this one. Like, yeah, that's the thing. The- oh, yeah. Thank you for. Yes. Yeah. That was one thing I did not. I didn't want to go into this movie rooting for the monkeys. No, you wanted- I didn't want to root for the apes. There I, should be a kind of a balance. Yeah. I, I want a reason to root for either side, maybe yeah. at the very least. But like I thinking of the originals, like you're not you're rooting for Heston. You're rooting for the humans. You're You're like, oh, man, this is a crazy ass world. Well, I guess that's where these ones differ a little bit from. Okay, like, so the originals, in right? Rise, yeah. did you were you rooting? Did you feel like you wanted to root for the champ the chimps in in the second one? Well, you know, in the second one, you wanted them to coexist, right? You're yes. Like, you're like find a way. But yeah. In the third one, you're like clearly they cannot coexist, and they have you know uh, done some bad things to the apes, and, and vice versa, and vice versa. So you, but you, you see, like the apes are a lot more uh, human in the third film than the humans. Yes, that's what I didn't like. Yeah, I don't. know. I could understand that, and I, I didn't leave it thinking it because I had high expectations for it. Yeah, and I was a bit maybe mine were too high because the second one was really good. I did like Rise. I really liked Rise. Yeah. I just, I always just giggle every time I see a monkey with a Zorro riding on a horse. You always have. Just love it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That was a real fucking letdown for me. Yeah. Um. What did you? You have something I let down, Marty? You know, I had a hard time thinking of anything. I guess Power Rangers was the big one. Yeah, that was really bad. I'm sure there's something else, but I, really I can't think bad. about it right now. So yeah, it must be Power Rangers. Like I, to have to have no expectations yeah. for a movie and still be like, yeah. like you just got kicked in the balls. Fucking bad. I will throw one uh, surprise out there that was better than I thought. I thought Wonder Woman was like excellent. Wonder Woman was really good. And I, I don't I don't even know why. It probably would have been in my top five, maybe. But it's kind of you know. It's, I don't it's know about that. It's such a good first film in a superhero franchise. It really is. It was a solid out- first outing for is. Wonder Woman. Like yeah. they really did did the character service, and Gal Gadot was great as Wonder She's Woman. So good. She was really good. I liked her casting from day one. When all the fanboys yeah. on the websites I go to were saying was shit, I'm like, and it was a lot to do with her physical appearance at the time. She's very tall and willowy. I'm like, they have gyms, they have dietitians, and this woman used to be a trainer in the Israeli army. I'm yeah. like, trust me, she'll be ready to be one. She's as Amazonian as you can get. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. In Hollywood. Well, I mean, all of, even all of uh, Themyscira was similar built. Like, they yeah. didn't portray any of the, the Amazons being they weren't body the Amazonians. Yeah, they weren't just like these beastly things. They were just like strong ass women. Like, yeah. Yeah, they were just fucking throw down. That was, that was a cool movie. It really was cool. Well, and he, I really liked the final fight with Ares, too. Yeah, and I, I thought, like how there was, like, that, well, is she, like, just, like, thinking? Like, is Ares yeah, not going to happen? it's like, what's going on? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. totally thought it was going to be, like, no, Ares doesn't exist. This is just, like, man is just yeah. corrupt. And it would have been good either way. I think so. Yeah. I just I just love, like, 
as Ares is throwing his armor on, he just melts the eye holes in his yeah, fucking that helm. Was that was so yeah. cool. Yeah. So awesome. The one stupid thing was though when when uh, Chris Pine's character was like, "I love you." Yeah, dumb, dumb. Should have cut that whole shit yeah. out. He should have just been like, got on that plane, yeah. sacrificed himself, and been like, because that would have been way better. That's obvious enough. I know. You we and I had this discussion. We after did. That we totally did. We don't need you to tell us that. Yeah. Like, Please don't treat me like I'm a fucking idiot. Yeah. Like obviously they're falling in love. They have great on-screen chemistry. Anything, even even if he had mouthed it as like you know, and it's like, it's like violence is happening or something. Like we really, don't <laughs> I know. don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, but anything. bombs are going off every you see him. I love you. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Maybe just give yeah. her the googly eyes. Who knows? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Just whip it out. No, that's bad. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Just whip it. Whip it good. <laughs> I don't know. I thought, like, that was, like, one, like, outstanding, like, whoa, that was stupid. Unnecessary. Unnecessary. Yes. And, like, what I loved that Chris Pine was awesome as Chris Pine always is. Yeah. But, like, he he didn't even come close to outshining Gal Gadot. No. No. She was phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. she She does a great job. Yeah. Speaking of unnecessary, how about our fourth segment? Oh, oh my God, listener, we got a treat for you. We got a bonus segment. Yeah, and uh, I guess it's my job to roll us into the bonus Let's segment. Let's do it. All right, so I thought, you know, it's 2017. We do talk about it a lot, but I thought we'd actually do like a TV segment because, we, you know, we all watch a lot of television and with Netflix and with all these cable shows, there's a lot to cover. So I thought we'd just throw down a couple of our faves for uh, 2017. Um, I, I thought maybe a returning favorite, like an, a favorite new season, and a favorite. Okay, I like that because I was gonna say like, I mean, uh, there's so much shit. Like, I have no idea when any of that stuff is releasing. Really, exactly. right? Especially when your main source is like Nef- something like yeah. Netflix. Like, it's always like a year after, right? Like, mm-hmm. you're not watching it as it's currently being aired. Some of it you are, some of it you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're right. right. You're right. Yeah. Sometimes it's. Yeah, because uh, I've got a new, a new favorite and a current favorite. So I guess I'll throw yeah, that Because I kind of, uh, you know, I, um, a favorite returning series for me it was the series finale this year was uh, The Leftovers. You guys probably haven't seen that. I have not, no. It's one of my favorite TV shows. Probably top 10, maybe top 5. Amazing performances by Justin Theroux and uh, Carrie Coon are the main uh, characters in that. Although it's a bit of an uh, ensemble cast. It's also got, um, was it Christopher Eccleston or uh, the, the, the do- played the doctor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's great in it. He plays like a. Played the antagonist in Dark World as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, terrible, terrible film. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but he's uh, he plays like a uh, pastor or something in this. And it's ba- he always has one episode per season that's based around a story around him. And it's like always got to do with his faith and like if his faith is like justified. And it's always a great Justified. story. Justified, which is an okay show. Um, <laughs> and it's always based around him, like, finding his faith and if it's worth it. And he has a great character arc in this season. And it, it's just a really cool show that every season's a bit different. And it wrapped up really well. It was a great, great series. I recommend it. That's cool. Yeah, I, you've talked about it to me before. And I just want to yeah, check it out. It's worth it. Yeah, my returning, um, probably no surprise if you know me, Stranger Things 2. Yeah, I guess it's the sexy, popular, mainstream pick. But um, I did find the series quite interesting this time around in that I felt it moved so slow the first uh, 4.5 episodes 
that I almost gave up on it. And yeah. I told you guys that. I mean, I was seriously close. I did give up on it. I'm still until watching. People it. implored me to get into it. <laughs> I'm so fucking slow. Really? Yeah, are I was you, gonna say we haven't even we haven't spoken about it really at all. Oh, Marty, yeah. are you where what episode number? I just you? watched the one where Eleven went on her own, had like her standalone oh, okay. episode. That was okay. A so dumb you've episode. gotten past yeah, episode four, which is it's the weirdest thing. It feels like halfway through episode four, boom, things go in motion. Stranger Things is back. Shit is going on, and you know what? I'll admit it. I love the end so much, and I won't spoil what the end is. I'll yeah. just say that it's very eighties ish, and I've watched it literally like thirty. 35 times. Huh. Yeah, I got to get there. The last five minutes. There. So It's one of the shows I watch with my wife, so it's like we have to make time and be like, all right, are we in the mood for this show? Yeah. yeah it's, there's a lot of shows. There Next is. season, yeah. Stranger Things, please do not start with slow filler episodes. Pretty please. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're going to add an episode and start with seven filler episodes. Uh, uh, hooray, hooray. Returning, Leland. Returning. Returning? Well, that's what we're starting with. Uh, well, I I didn't really make a I don't I didn't really make a list. I don't know this love. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that is good. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. What did uh, what is returning? I don't know. You know what? I actually really liked Planet Earth Two. Is that? Oh yeah, oh yeah, that was good. Yeah, that's solid. And those are always great. Yeah, I mm-hmm. haven't watched all of it yet. Yeah. So spoilers. I mean, David a- David Attenborough, man, it's just on point. Yeah. He's, he always is. You know, he he. Deserved to have that boat named after him. No, that was Bodie McBoatface bullshit. Uh, yes, that's that, that, bro. I'm down with that. Bodie, Bodie McBoatface. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, actually, yeah, I, mean, I really like that. That's a cool pick. I didn't even think of that. Uh, okay. Well, then I've also got a pick for new show, and I picked Glow. Cool. Oh, man, that's a great pick. Yeah. Great Because it was surprisingly great. It was so good. You know, it was, it's got a great cast, like a great ensemble cast. Yeah. And like everyone in it's great. Um, oh, man. Mark, Mark Maron is Mark Maron is, is so, it's so good. good. I'm like, wait, is that Mark Maron? Oh, yeah. He's play, yeah. he's basically playing Mark Maron. Oh, man. And Alison Brie's character is such a piece of shit. Yeah. I love it. And it's awesome when they, you know, I'm watching him like, she's going to be the heel, right? Like, she's got to be the heel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Like, the, the bad guy in wrestling. Yeah. And then I'm like, yes, they're making her Russian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because, so like, I, I'm like a kind of a on again, off again wrestling fan. So I know a lot about wrestling's history and watching this, is, it's pretty hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was really good. It's so good. I got to watch it. Do you guys think I would like it? Yes. Okay. Then I'll, I'll definitely, watch it. definitely. Yeah, because, like, all the characters are super compelling. Uh, yeah, just they're all great. What I actually really like, Rich, we've talked about this before, Rich Summers' character. Yeah. I feel like he's just like the dad of his character in love. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like they're like the same person. Yeah. Though they like, feel like they're like the slightly older uncle. Or something. Yeah. yeah. Just like he's a bit of a sleaze ball himself, yeah. too. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't have much, <clears throat> excuse me, he doesn't have much of a part, but. I just I like how I I really like how Allison Brie's like a shithead in it. I know it's the best. It's so thing against type for her. It's the best thing ever. It's so good. It's like if you watch her like playing Annie, and then you watch in like Community, and then you watch this, you're like, wait, what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's a great pick. Really good pick. Yeah, uh, Leland or uh, Moby, I guess. Well, go for Moby. Go Moby. Well, go for Moby. Yeah. Go so Moby. I've got my pick for new TV season, and I'm not done it yet, but. I can appreciate how much I've done of it. American Vandal. I just love the creativity. Oh, that's a good one too. I love the idea that, okay, 
it's hilarious. It's a comedy mockumentary, but it takes itself so seriously. They do it a fantastic job. They never break. They never it's break so character. Good. And it's you know what else is great? It makes me remember how stupid shit like that seemed serious when I was in high school. Like yeah. I would have been that kid that wanted to investigate the dick Who fiasco. Who did this? Yeah. Who did the dicks? Who, really? dabbled? Who, Who dabbles in this high school? Who dabbled? Who yeah. did the dicks? You're totally right because that is so true about being a teenager. It really is. Yeah. Like when the kids put up like all the photos yeah. and drawings, I'm like, I would have done that. And even like the the teachers and the parents like thinking about it. Like, yes. Like, Parents blow everything out of proportion. Yeah, yeah. And you know what the funniest thing? My funniest thing watching that. I think it was even in the first episode. They're watching there. They're like looking and they're comparing. Okay, so you got a picture of the dicks that vandal on the cars, and then you got like the video of of uh, <laughs> what's what's the character's name? Oh, the, the one accused of, of the doing know, the vandalism, the American vandal. D- but he's Donald. drawing his dick on the board, and yes. he's like putting little ball hairs. And right, yeah. right away, he's like. It wasn't him, the ball hairs. Oh my god, it wasn't him. Hairs, and then yeah. they're like, they're like, oh my god. <laughs> then they, the characters in the show yeah. come to the same realize, like, case solved. No ball hairs. He always does the ball hairs. <laughs> if only life was as simple as whether or not there were ball hairs on a drawing. Unfortunately, life gets more complicated. Oh man, I don't know how they could have possibly have kept this straight. I could not. Can never have kept a straight face for the whole thing. Takes. They yeah. say so. They say dicks so many times. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's just, it's a genius show. And I give, as you guys can see, I give points for creativity. Oh yeah, a la Dunkirk. I just thought it was creative. When I was sixteen, I was in a, uh, I guess a guild in Final Fantasy Eleven, and I got kicked out of the guild for saying dicks too much. <laughs> they, the they had American a meeting Vandal. a meeting of the uh, greater minds like the leaders of the guild and one day my guild membership broke and I was private message and they said sorry you've been kicked out of the guild and I was like well why the fuck have I been kicked out <laughs> because you say dicks all the time <laughs> and we asked you to stop and you wouldn't <laughs> I've never heard this story before Mar- <laughs> Marty's starring in American Vandal 2 I don't know if you know, made the season about him yeah well oh, I, did, I did do it Case closed. I did the digs. That's such a good, that's a good pick. Good picks, you guys. Good picks. All right. Well, it's yours. Lee. Well, my pick is uh, actually super new. It is a little mini series called Godless. Oh, is that good? It was. It was good. Yeah, it was good. Jeff Daniels. Ooh. Yeah, uh, you gotta love Jeff Daniels. Yes, I do. And you know what? It's 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 weird. I I de- I definitely liked it. It it is. It's it's got some weird parts like. Parts that I was like, well, that's kind of stupid. But overall, yeah, solid watch. Isn't it a mini series, sort of? It is. It mm. is. Yeah, it's like seven episodes long, mm. I think, and they're like an hour, hour, hour-ish long episodes. Okay, but like, yeah. So, so it's like, a, it's like, a, it's a western. Yeah, and Jeff Daniels play. He's like the leader of this like roving gang. They just go and they just like murder, rape, and steal whatever the hell they want. And he had like a protege as he's kind of reared as the this, the 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 main character was a, a young guy and Jeff Daniels is I guess I, I don't know if he's actually a preacher but he wears a preacher's collar and is very like bible-y. Must and be a preacher then. Uses quotations from the Bible as kind of like this is you know I'm I'm cool. I'm cool because you know it's called godless. Really everyone's godless there. Like you know it's the wild west. It's a go- yeah. it's a godless place. And but like so, Roy is is like his is his you know his his son basically he calls him his son, 
But, like, he shoots Jeff Daniels, and Jeff Daniels loses his arm in the first episode. So, he's going around. He's, like, the one-armed Jeff Daniels, like, doing whatever the fuck he wants. Like, <laughs> it's so – it's super weird. But, like, what was kind of weird about it was, like, how how all over the place Jeff Daniels' character is. Like, some, some, some points, like, there's not a speck of mercy – in this man, like you, you could ring him out to the cow come home, and they ain't a speck of mercy gonna, gonna gonna come out. But then another part, like he comes across like this, like kind of diseased, uh, like little town, and like everyone's like the lepers. They got the lepers in there, and like he shows so much compassion and mercy for like this one, you one woman left, still able, you know barely able-bodied take, totally on the deathbed brink of door of death herself taking care of all these these people who are far closer to that brink of death like who are falling over that brink and he's like weirdly shows like so much compassion it's like i don't understand the motivations for your character hmm. but then as it goes on you get kind of more and more insight into his relationship with Roy and how he really does just see, see himself kind of as the father of this this pl- place and like how he justifies. You're like, oh man, that's kind of weird. But uh, it's worth watching for sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I might check it out. Might not. Yeah. It's too much shit. There is a lot of stuff. But it's nice that it's just a miniseries. Yeah. Wraps up. I'll, uh, I'll throw a notable uh, mention to Punisher. That was fun. Punisher oh good. yeah. Holy fuck, Punisher was awesome. Yeah. Punisher was so good. Yeah, really, uh, really good payoff by the end of it. Yeah, it's like, oh, this was a Marvel property. <laughs> I'm watching a superhero thing. No, it's you're watching, you're watching, a, you're watching a dude and a bunch of uh, every other character just, just surviving the PTSD, the post traumatic stress of their their service, their yeah. military service. It, like it's, it tells a cool story. Yeah, man. Yeah. Like, uh, like, and I thought like the arc with with the kid, the young kid who was really really suffering. Yeah, like I thought that was gonna be like stupid and like kind of me too. But it fit so well into just the tone and what they really were trying to say. Yeah, I mean, and, it really made the because like, but that gives you like that turning point in the series a little bit. Yeah. Like that's like, well, and you know what, his character, his that 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 young character, that young guy, he so Moby. I don't you you haven't watched Punisher, have no. you? Yeah. So basically, this this character is, is is a vet. He's come back from his service. I think it's Afghanistan, right? Yeah. Right, and. Right. He's he's just really having like he digs like a foxhole in his backyard because that's where he's like most comfortable to even like get sleep like it's like he's suffering that bad. Wow. It's yeah, it's intense stuff. And he just kind of he just kind of snap. He gets kind of you know uh, some people that he's kind of grown to trust just turn out to be complete fucking liars. And like this one guy like uh, basically show he shows up this this support group and just like shits on whatever the the, lead, the leader of the sport group is kind of trying to help them with right right he's just just like because and he's he lies about his service to this kid and because he 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 basically indoctrinates the kid to, to to what he's been spouting all the shit he's been spouting but he's not backing up any of his words he's just full fucking blowhard and and the so the kid like finds out like oh he's he's completely full of shit didn't serve a fucking day in his life or whatever and that kind of makes him snap, and he, 
and he sees like, oh, Frank Castle's back because like at the end of Daredevil, everyone thinks Frank is dead. So he's kind of like, you know, in, incognito as, as another dude. And yeah, so but but like that character serves the purpose to to really show where Frank himself draws the lines mm-hmm. for his actions. And like so many, like a few different times, like the comparison between the two, because the, the young kid like blows up. Uh, what was it? He blew up like a police station or something. Some type of yeah. government facility. Wasn't like, it like the post office or something? Yeah, maybe. Or it was like an office. Some type yeah. of government office building. Like, just like, you know, raging against the government machine kind of thing, right? Like, yeah. you mis- mistreating us. Just the, the whole hierarchy is just, yeah. you know, shitting he's, on all the... He sees himself as the Punisher. Yeah, so he, he... And then, like... And, of course, Frank, like, he's... The kid's, like, blown up, like... There's, like, innocent people in his office building that had nothing to do with any of the, the, the gripes and the tribulations that he's that he's legitimately going through and has legitimate, like, things to be pissed off about. Yeah. But, like, yeah, so many times, like, Frank's like, I'm, I'm nothing like this kid. This kid is not, like, I am not this kid. And, yeah, no, it's so good. Mm-hmm. So good. It's good. And, the, I mean, just that whole last uh, episode and fight. Oh man! So brutally violent, ridiculously um, brutal. He ends up making—I mean, like sort of mild spoilers, I guess. He ends up making his own arch nemesis by yeah. the end of it. Yeah, and like you see that happen, and it's—it's yeah, brutal, gory. brutal, brutal, brutal. Yeah. And you know what? I really like the the FBI lady in it too. She's great in it. She's so good. Yeah, yeah. And man, she was ridiculously attractive too. Oh yeah, and that's, man. they really push the sex scenes. Like yeah. just just within the boundaries of like nudity without having nudity. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I don't think they could have gone any further without it making being like a hard R. Yeah, yeah. I just love how just the very existence of the Punisher and his actions that one could get on board with justifying. Mm-hmm. How that just brings so many different character decisions, yeah. which lead to character development. You know, which leads to the, those character consequences, and it's just like it's like his exists, like the character of the Punisher is just like this driving narrative force. Surprisingly, it right? is, and I think that's like probably the reason why that like that actor loves doing it. Yeah, like, he seems to like always be like pushed into these types of roles. He really is. But Punisher is very nuanced. Surprisingly, yeah, he and, does. Oh man, John Bernthal, fuck yeah. that guy's a beast. And oh, uh, the Bernthal grunt. <sighs> Man, that's, I love that grunt. Yeah. Oh my god. But there's a scene with him and um, Micro's son, who like has become kind of a little. Thug. Oh yeah, he's and a little shit. Because so Punisher's confidant and buddy, his name's Micro. He uh, was also thought to be dead, and um, so is so you see the the you see his family, his wife and his two kids dealing with his supposed death and how they, how they're dealing with it. Yeah. And his youngest son. This becomes like this little fucking like twelve year old thug, yeah, like beating up kids and stealing mm, stuff. Yeah, and the the family comes to like no Punisher by a different name, like they think he's someone else because he's kind of become involved with them. So right, because Frank is like, oh, this guy's trying to fuck with me because yeah. Micro like c- tries to hold something over to 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 enlist Frank to help Micro s- yeah. s- deal with the shit, right? And Frank's like, well, fuck this. He finds out who the guy is, and then he goes and like. To, the, to his fucking family's house, basically yeah. to antagonize him. So. Yeah. so he ends up having a sit down with this kid, and he's like, by the end of the sit down, he's like, You think you're a tough guy? Da 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 da. Like, he's got his like, knife. That kind of he's talk, got a knife yeah. out, 
The kid's yeah. knife. The kid's knife. Because the, the kid had a knife. Yeah, the mom finds the and knife. And by like the end that. of the talk, he's got the kid in a chokehold. Yeah. And he's like... And the knife to the kid's yeah, throat. Like, do you want this? Is this what you want? And the kid's like, do it. Just please do it. Yeah. Because he wants the, the kid suffering so bad. The kid he's, breaks. He's, he breaks. He's like, I just want to die. It's he's like... And it's intense. it's actually really upsetting. Like, Holy you're like, fuck. Holy shit. Like, this kid's been like... Just, well, yeah, because you're like, you're like, yeah. you're like, Frank, what the fuck are you doing yeah. when he grabs him? And you're like, oh my God. And then the, and then the kid, yeah. like, in a moment of like, like conf- confessional yeah. to Frank. Oh my goodness. And you don't expect that from the Punisher. You so don't. <laughs> you so don't. But you know what? Like, the Punisher, like, like, like John Wick. Yeah. He's so emotionally driven. Yes. He He's just a burning, b- bubbling cauldron of like, Bad emotions, okay. granted, like hatred oh, yeah. and revenge-fueled yeah. hate. I'm going to kill everyone who ki- killed my family, everyone who had a part of killing my family, everyone who knew everyone who had a part of killing I, my yeah, family. Yeah, totally, It totally. just gets ridiculous. But it's cool because, like, the series starts basically af- – you see him after he's gotten his revenge. Yeah. So he's fine with no longer being the Punisher. He's 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 done what he f- feels has, has done service to – the murder of his family mm-hmm. and it turns out of course that's not the whole story he doesn't have the whole story yeah yeah so good just watch it though all right this has been t hud the punisher special <laughs> we could have done a whole oh yeah we easily could have done yeah. watch it with punisher. a bonus punisher yeah. yeah it's that good it is that good yeah it is that good surprising and, and you know what it's it's the only Marvel Netflix thing where I was like, yeah, where I was not like, yeah, we could shave a couple episodes off. Yeah, you know, I, I felt that way in the middle, but it, it all built. It did. Very it did. The payoff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe, maybe one short. Yeah. I was kind of hoping then, like when I got, oh, I was like, oh, okay, I'm on episode 10. How many more? Oh, okay, there's still like two or three more. There's one around this, I think, where he's like looking for that guy in the woods. Like right around that area yeah. was where it's a little bit slower. But, you know, yes, you're right. But I do like the outcome of that. Yeah. Because, like, it really, that, that whole episode really does a good, a good, uh, like, it, it it solidifies the bond between Punisher and Micro, right? Oh, like, it's sure, like, yeah. it shows Frank, yes, Micro has worth to you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I like it. Yeah. Micro's cool in that, too. He really is. Yeah. yeah I do like him. I like yeah. him. And right. he's really tortured himself, too. He is. Yeah. Oh, man. It's so good. It's by, It's definitely my favorite. Now it goes Punisher, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Daredevil Season 2. Yeah. Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Defender. No, Defenders, Iron, Iron Fist. Fist. Iron Fist, far, far away. Iron Fist, way down the like, like, yeah, I have to put Iron Fist on this list. I'm, <laughs> I'm want, I'm, I'm woeful that I have to put Iron Fist on that list. I'm scared to ask. What are we at right now? We're like three. We must be three Oh, hours. wow. We are at two. 40 about. Whoa. Right. Wrong episode. All right. I think we're done. Yeah. That was yeah, a bit. We're going to wrap this up, boys. Okay, I uh, will do the end of show stuff. If you want, I don't know what the show notes will be on this fucking, <laughs> I don't know. But if you want, if you want to check us out, you can visit our website at ttpopcast.wordpress.com. You know, li- like us on Facebook. Tell us some of your, your 2017 movie, board game, video game picks. Yeah, tell us how right we were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is your number one Logan? Because it should be. Or is it Blade Runner? Yeah. Blade Runner. Black. If he catches you, you're through. Blade Runner. <laughs> no, please. Well, uh, thank you, listener, for joining us in our extended episode. I mean, our episodes just seem to be getting longer and longer. Yeah, but this was a year in review best of. I think it's fine. I think it's fine. You know, 
we break the show up in segments so you can, yeah, you know, you can consume it in segments. Sure. Yeah. Or all at once, like a man. <laughs> <laughs> Be a man. Well, I have been Leland Steele. And I'm Marty. And I'm Moby. Take Thanks. care, listener. Thanks, listener. Bye-bye. <laughs>